On this week's episode of Friend Code, we're talking about Sonic Forces versus Sonic Mania and the report of Nintendo of America clamping down on review copies. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Damiani, your host of Friend Code, and on this week's episode, I'm actually joined by a special guest, Mr. Matthew Simmons. Hello everyone. Mr. Matthew Simmons of Yo Video Games. That's correct, Yo Video Games. And he has been gracious enough to help me out this week uh, as we start off with some housekeeping. Um, usually we record this on Tuesdays. There have been some exceptions in the past that have led to delays and stuff of the sort. Unfortunately, things uh, got a little hectic on Tuesday. Could not record because of scheduling this week with me primarily. Uh, I decided to go uh, to do this, recorded this locally. So that is why you're not seeing any... Uh, camera feed of us this time but uh, hopefully there is uh, going to be footage especially from the for the sonic discussion but that's why you're not seeing us on camera but also why well, i get to have a special guest so it actually turned out to be a good thing because you know this doesn't usually get to work out for us because it's really hard for for matt to come down to, to record at our place at brandon's garage just because of uh, a distance matt actually a distance and matt, matt actually works during the day too so yeah, unfortunately <laughs> Um, some other housekeeping real quick, uh, before we get into our first segment, uh, Dear Nintendo. Uh, Amazon situation with, uh, with the SNS, uh, Classic. Uh, told everyone I would update people as that, uh, there were more updates. Seems like Amazon is starting to send out more of them. In fact, our own Kyle Bossman finally got his recently. Uh, I'm getting a lot of your comments on Twitter saying that you are finally getting yours. So, took them long enough, but they're actually following through. But as always, if you still haven't gotten yours, let us know um, what the situation is with that. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep following up on that as there's more news to report on it. Um, last episode, uh, something I said prompted by Mr. Bossman, because he wanted me to clarify something that I, I always allude to within the, the group of allies, about this thing with Chrono Trigger and the, the, the mysterious situation around it about why why it is so difficult to re-release it supposedly um and i made the statement that uh after the ds version came out it made certain parties aware of their rights to the game and thus have been uh, a little bit of an obstacle to overcome but uh actually talking with people again to remember it uh actually the clarification i want to make is that it's not necessarily that it can't be re-released uh, it is that uh, no new games involving the, the Chrono characters can be made. Um, that also might give you a hint as to who and what I was referring to, because I did see a gaff thread about it, and gaff pointed out another copyright was added to the game, the DS version. That actually wasn't what I was referencing, though that was an interesting point. Uh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. But, and then I think but, you'll, you'll notice, too, uh, you know, there is a Chrono Trigger sequel, sort of, and it has... No aesthetic similarity to Chrono Trigger, and there's a good, probably a good reason for that. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that that that's where it stands. And again, uh, it would be amazing if someone could get someone involved in that game to go on the record about this to clarify one way or another uh, whether it's not whether this is true or not true. And again, this is something I was told uh, by somebody for several years, and this stuff is always turn out to be either outright true or mostly true so that's why i've taken this kind of as face value and kind of accepted it as like kind of the truth about the situation 
However, I know that doesn't always work for everyone. Obviously, you want someone on the record and stuff. So, yeah, maybe one day someone will get to interview someone and uh, that that information will come out. But I, I highly doubt it. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> the other thing, too, I think all you got to really look at with Chrono Trigger in, in particular is that even low, um, lesser-known Square franchises, they still, they still give them updates. They still do new games or new experiences like... The Mana series, they still make stuff for the Mana series. They still make stuff for the Saga series. You know, they, it, it's strange that that Chrono is such a obscure... Like, it, it got cross, and then it's got a couple of its re-releases and stuff. But it has had, like, nothing else to it. Like, Luca was, was in Xenogears um, back in the, like, late 90s. But that was still pretty soon after the game, and it was... That was, like, you know, still within Squaresoft and stuff like that. But, like, besides, like, I think Luca and Xenogears and Chrono Cross, there's been... There's no Chrono anything. Like, Square yeah. has not made any any stuff. They they re-released it, you know, on Virtual Console and, and like, I think just the same game on, on, on mobile device, but yeah. it's the same game. There's no remake, even though sometimes the remakes don't come out well. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the mobile remake for, for Final Fantasy VI. Oh, yeah, the, like the, 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 the trashy artwork. Yes, yes. the really trashy artwork. They the don't even, work they don't even have a trashy artwork version of Chrono Trigger. It's yeah. Anything of, regarding Trigger is literally just just the old game. And they added some stuff for the DS version, but it's 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 basically mod shit, basically. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's reusing assets. So, yeah, there's... There's obviously something without without knowing anything. I think you can just look at the whole situation and go. There is no way in hell like the Saga series has ever had more popularity than the Chrono series, and yet they still have Saga stuff happening. So there you go. The last thing I want to talk about is uh, one. I want to verify that uh, NOA Steve actually is is the real deal. Uh, reached out to me on Twitter, got a, got a hold of me. Um, I, I, I didn't want to seem mean-spirited or casting, you know, some doubt on the authenticity, but you, you never know. Like, our patron comments, I, I love you all in our patron, in our community, but just because your name says something on a patron comment doesn't necessarily verify that's who you really are. You could have made up a name. Uh, but no, we got, we got in touch, um, saw his comment to me, and uh, yes, that is the real NOA Steve from Nintendo Power. So pretty cool to have that happen. Uh, I, of course, followed him back. And uh, hopefully we can stay in touch and uh, maybe get him on one of these episodes. Talk about the Nintendo Power days. would be great. Because as you know, that is like the segment that's coming up. And speaking of Nintendo Power things, last thing to wrap up on. Uh, we have a, a patron uh, user named Japesland who uh, actually wrote in to us saying they were the person from the previous episode who sent in that picture of the cardboard Game Boy cutout in winter. They even uploaded a high-res pic for us to check out as their their proof. And it is pretty, for when that was in the 90s, that's a pretty good photo there, so that definitely looks legit. Um, they did write a comment. Uh, so they wrote, uh, thanks for the great episode. And talk about a small world, I'm actually the kid in the cardboard Game Boy sled picture. I have some more pictures, but it looks like when I tried to link the one the last time, the comment got flagged as spam. But don't worry, Jason, we got the photo, we, we saw the, the follow-up post, and it's all good. Funny thing is, the only reason I decided on a Game Boy sled at the time was because my dad didn't want to work on a sled in, that involved any painting. 
Since he found some cheap brown duct tape around the same time, and the original Game Boy was more or less rectangular and tan, he figured it would be super easy to make. The buttons are either regular duct tape or permanent marker. That said, I didn't win any awards at the competition, uh, but at least the sled actually went down the slope and stayed in one piece. After the derby, we cut handles into the inside of the sled and turned it into a giant walking Game Boy costume. The thing is currently stored in my parents' bedroom, uh, sorry, my parents' basement Whoa. in Pennsylvania. No way it is coming with me as I currently live uh, in Tokyo. Wow, that's awesome. Almost every year, I have to convince my dad not to throw it out because it takes so much space and is completely useless. Oh, I, I, there's been some things I've had to try and convince my parents not to throw away. Those are like old magazines, gaming magazines that I just completely forgot I had. Yeah. Also, I had those promotional N- Nintendo videos from back in the day, like the N64 one. And I was trying to like get those. Is I that kept the one where the three kids mm-hmm. get to go to their their offices. They mm-hmm. they, they drive them up. My my dad saw that video and he's like, "That's a Lincoln 64." And I was like, "What?" And it's like the car. It's a '64 Lincoln. And then, because at the time, I believe Howard Lincoln was still working there. Uh, and they met he... Ken Lobb, and I was like, "Wait, fuck, man! Only my dad would have known that." Um, but yeah, every gentleman from this way, we go that way. You know, and they they're showing. It was super '90s, right? You know what I'm talking about. We're talking about the same video. It was, yes, it was Mario '64, Pilot Wings, and Shadows of the Empire, right? Yeah, like someone named Armand Williams was in it. Yeah, the, I don't remember Armand. if he was one of the kids or if he was one of the Nintendo Power staff because he's in more than that video. Yeah, so I always thought he was the kid who went there and like he was so cool. They asked him to stay there and become a staff member. <laughs> and I was like, yo, that's like the coolest dream ever. He got invited to check out a new Nintendo '64 yeah. and play the games, and you were so good at them. They made you become a staff member now, did you ever watch <laughs> to the end of the video post credits because mm-hmm. they had a little teaser at the end there they always did that in their videos they oh, had really? teasers the best one was donkey kong country's end because the end they walk into like a treehouse room and they're playing killer instinct and ah. they get a few seconds of it on screen when all the staff starts screaming no get out of here next year it's for next year <laughs> i was like oh what is this yeah, I was like, yeah. KI gold at the end of that N64. Yep. They're like, you still want more? more? <laughs> and they just blare the KI music, which was pretty awesome. It's pretty good stuff. Good memories there. And if you might have heard me flipping through some pages here, it's because we got uh, our first segment of the episode uh, that I like to begin with called Dear Nintendo. And I got a cover of, or sorry, an issue, Nintendo Power. With Skyward Sword Link on the cover here, it is the September 2010, Volume 258 edition of Nintendo Power. Uh, if I find that cover image in a good resolution, you should be seeing it on screen right now. Throw that up there. Did you steal that from Kyle? What? No. This is actually this is one of three issues given to us uh, by a very nice patron oh. uh, to help us out because I'm running out of Nintendo Power issues. Oh, no. Because remember, I uh, actually moved to where we live now. Uh, I had to, I had to, I opted to ditch my entire Nintendo Power collection because it was so big and heavy. Well, that was smart. It was like just not like worth it to carry. It was like this is gonna take forever. It cost too much to even ship short distances. Just got rid of it, but now it's coming back to kind of you know bite me in the butt. Um, and uh, this, so at this point. So it's called Pulse. We read yeah. we read letters from the oh, players' oh, pulse oh, section. I remember players now pulse. it's called yeah. Uh, and Chris Slate is the editor in chief at this point. Uh, is he still around? Uh, yeah, actually, when I was looking at uh, NOA Steve, uh, some of the people it's recommended were other Nintendo Power staff, former staff writers. Hmm. One of which was Chris Slate. Nice. And I was just curious, you know, what he's up to. He actually still works at Nintendo. 
Okay. According to his Twitter profile. Okay. I, I, I don't know if that's 100% true. Sorry if that's not true, if you listen to this, Chris Slate, or if Steve passes this along. But Twitter profile says you're at Nintendo. So, And I thought he was, but, you know, that's kind of where he is now. Pretty cool. Um, so we got some letters from this month. It seems uh, Chris Slate here, back once again to answer your letters while Diddy Kong sits on my shoulders shooting peanuts at passerby. But first, this month's special lesson... Sorry, this month's special letter request. Describe your very first encounter with an NES. We did this as our very first episode of this show, actually. Oh, okay. So, uh, I'm going to read these, but then I actually want to get your answer oh, at the I, end. I actually know it I'll, yeah. I'll immediately. These, those who failed to sign their letter shall be branded with one... Or sorry, shall be branded with the miserable moniker of one of gaming's very worst characters. Whoa. Okay. Because they made a note saying people who didn't like sign their letter. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Calling for rain. The other day at school, my friend and I were whistling the Song of Storms. I should clarify. It doesn't look like these letters are actually about their first NES. Yeah. I think that's what they're. They want. Uh, send your responses to the address on page 8 we'll print the best one so sorry the thing I talked about is what they want people to write in about yeah I apologize so these letters aren't that Uh, anyway calling for a raining day calling for rain the other day at school my friend and I were whistling the song of storms about 3 minutes later a large cloud system rolled in later we decided to whistle the tune again and a break in the clouds appeared we live in Washington so the weather's always bipolar but come on is that not awesome? Uh, it says tree CK of fan 55. Trico f- Trico fan? I don't know how to say that. It's a weird. It's all written with one word. Uh, and then the reply from Nintendo Power. If any bullies come up to the two of you while you're walking around the school, duo whistling, please don't tell them you're summoning storms. This was a really slow month for letters, wasn't it? Yeah, this is really slow letters. There's only like four. Four or five. Yeah, there's only five. Whoa, wait, hang on. What do you think of Nintendo's E3 announcements? Whoa, here we go. Hang on. Oof. Sorry, we just we just got... Uh, well, well, we turned the page and we found the interesting well, stuff. Here's the thing. What, what year was this? The 2010. Well, that was September, really, that so was it was E3 really, 2010. That was a really good year for them, though, wasn't it? Uh, what have been after Galaxy 2 and stuff? This that was, was, uh, that was a really excellent year they had. That was like their comeback year. It was, was 3DS. 3DS. Yeah, yeah. 3DS yeah, was well, the big thing. They had that, and then they had like they announced new Kirby, new Donkey Kong, new. Was another? Was another in 2009, and, 10? It was 10, I think. Okay, that might have been at that E3, or might have been the year before. Um, but here we go. Oh, here's some stuff. Animal Crossing, Kid Icarus. Oh yeah, it was that 3DS presentation. That yeah. was so cool. Reggie and all his yeah. little, all, all of Reggie's call girls came out behind him with the 3DS. Oh, at the very stuff. end. Yeah, right at the Dude, very that end. That presentation though with the 3DS. I just remember the Star Fox one. You, this is a, one of the things Brandon talked about this on a at some point in the past year about actually being at a press conference versus watching it on stream. The like at the, the 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 he was talking about the production value of the Sony one because they did all like those those stage presentations this year yeah. and on stream that effect came off kind of cheap or not cheap but like didn't work yeah yeah but like for the 3ds thing I'm talking about when they did the Star Fox one they did like all like the like this mist effect 
and like the sound of like you know engines revving yeah, up yeah. and like gears whirring and like Fox running in. It looked like I was like a Disney World presentation right. before a so ride. I, it was, I, I was so there good. For this one. Yeah, it was so good. And like the sound effects of him getting in, I was like, this looks awesome. Of course, it was for the 3DS remake of Star Fox 64. Yeah. But they did it for every game they did. Like Kid Icarus yeah, had one were, too. There were like a series of. Uh, well, I think that might have been the following year, but there was that one year where they did that, where like three or four 3DS games got like these really cool like. I don't know how to describe it other than Terminator 2 3D, <laughs> where it was kind of like this weird mix of stage and screen kind of blurring together to create like sound effects and noise and like you said, like uh, pyrotechnics and shit like that. So, yeah, that was that was really cool. But though, 2010 was like their really good year uh, from E3. That was probably one of their best, as far as Nintendo fan, being a Nintendo fan goes. I see what they mean about not signing their stuff. They gave someone the name Slippy Toad. Right. Because they didn't sign it. So here we go. Here's some reactions. Here's some hot takes from E3 2010 uh, from the from the fans of Nintendo Power who wrote in. I'm excited about all of the games that Nintendo showed at E3, especially Kirby's Epic Yarn. That game was great. I didn't see it coming, and I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw the trailer. Kirby looks so cute. I love his cute voice, too. I wonder how King DDD and Meta Knight might look in yarn form. Dot dot dot. Uh, I has rhythm. Another troll name. Um, I am so glad that my favorite character Pit is finally getting a new game. I was literally jumping up and down and screaming with excitement. Nintendo, thank you so much for listening to We Kid Icarus fans. Unfortunately, he, he still wouldn't be able to control him when it came out. E3 was spectacular this year. I love how Nintendo is returning to hardcore gamers' interest. They wrote Lemonade Johnson as their name. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest surprise of E3 for me was the revival of GoldenEye 007. I forgot. I mean, I remember the game. I forgot it happened here. I remember the time I first played the N64 version in my cousin's basement. Maybe I can finally get the edge on him 13 years later. Dan the man. The coolest thing revealed at E3 this year is Pilot Wings Resort for the 3DS. Hmm. The Who reason that guy's letter. The reason I think that is because in your July 2009 issue, you wrote alongside a picture of Wii Sports Resort skydiving, aim for the rings like in Pilot Wings for the Super NES. I believe Nintendo saw that article. Peach. Uh, from Peach. Was that supposed to be like a slam on Peach? No, that gets given. I mean, it could be. (laughs) Yeah, I practically drooled over this trailer for the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Whenever a new Zelda game is announced, it's the only thing I can think about. I had to replay Twilight Princess just to try and get my mind off of it, but I'm still thinking about breaking into Nintendo and stealing a copy of Skyward Sword while nobody's looking. Was that Kyle? Megan. Yeah, was that Kyle? Yeah, yeah, that was really Kyle. Um, uh, that one's not a reaction. Someone's talking about their Wii breaking. Oh, whoa. I'm very happy about the 3DS, and more importantly, it's new Metal Gear and Resident Evil games. So it was Mercenaries and Snake Eater 3D at first that were shown. No, no, I think Revelation. No, Revelations was, was Revelation shown. first? Well, they had the trailer first at that E3, but it was just a trailer, and there's shit in that trailer that wasn't even in the final game. Okay. And I remember talking to people I knew who worked at Capcom at the time, and were like, I don't even know why they put that in the trailer. Because, like, there was, there was a very clear scene with Hunk in the first Revelations trailer, and they're like, he was never in the game. 
Like they're like he was never like like he was not supposed to be part of it. And they're like maybe at some very 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 early design concepts phase, but like they're they were very even even at Capcom were like bewildered by by some of that trailer. And then the I don't know did you ever watch the Metal Gear demo they had at 2010? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a demo of a game. It was kind of just like a it was basically a VR experience. Yes. Um, and it was using graphics that were way better oh, yeah. than the one that came out for uh, Metal Gear Solid 3D. Uh, uh, and I don't know if you remember this. Here's a little added tidbit for that. They were bullied into making Metal Gear Solid 3D because of that uh, trailer at E3, that, that experience. Because everyone was so convinced that, that, that they were making Metal Gear Solid 3 for 3DS. And then Konami apparently originally had no intention of doing that. And they got they got pressured into making it for the 3ds after that because of that that BS trailer where you're sneaking around under the log and the guy looks for you and stuff. Ooh, okay, okay, interesting. Finish off this person's letter to give them uh, you know the respect they deserve. I love seeing franchises that are popular in other systems come back to Nintendo. Woot from Rocky Rodent. Yeah, so. it's just fanboyism. I mean, I mean, as you said, it was like a good time for like Nintendo. Like they're getting all these, announcing yeah. all these games, and even though not like especially the th- you point out Metal Gear, like didn't turn out the way it wa- we wanted it. Probably same thing with Revelations. I mean, well, I like Revelations. I, I like the one I played I, I on think, consoles. <laughs> I, think, I think Revelations turned out really well. I think I, I really personally wish they would have done a, a, an original Metal Gear title. You know, maybe using Metal Gear Two or 3's like assets and making an original title for it rather than trying to port. Metal Gear Solid Three. I think it just. Well, I would. I would have liked that because I don't know if you ever. You ever I don't know if you ever played Ghost Babble. Ghost Babble's fantastic. Oh yeah, the uh, Metal Gear Solid for Game Boy Color. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Great game. Oh yeah, that was like really good, really good game. Like everyone told me to buy it, and I bought it, and it was great. Uh, last letter, because again, these are these are a little uh, on the on the shorter side. Although there's something weird here. Uh, Mario versus Mario. This is not about E3. It's about Galaxy Games. After fully finishing both Super Mario Galaxy games, I find that there are many things to compare and contrast about them. The observatory in the first galaxy is bigger and there's more stuff to do, but you can't ride Yoshi or switch to Luigi whenever you want. And while the final fight with Bowser is pretty easy in the first game, Bowser is a little tougher in the second. If I had to choose, I would say that Super Mario Galaxy 2 is the better game. Do you guys have a favorite? Number one Mario fan and Nintendo Power staff replied, I agonized over this very question while writing my Super Mario Galaxy 2 review. I would say that while the freshness of the first game's concept made more of an impact on me, the extra features and refinements of the sequel make it the better playing game. So I'm kind of curious here, because I know you've got some thoughts mm. on Galaxy 1 versus Galaxy 2. In, in its most brief form, which one do you think is the better one and why? I think Galaxy One's the better game because it it feels more complete. Uh, Galaxy Two feels like basically an expansion pack. If you remember expansion packs in the uh, oh, yeah. PC era, where it, like even though it's a really really good one, it's just it it feels almost a little too streamlined to the point where it's just like you're just kind of selecting levels from almost a very almost a debug menu, but not not quite and. I wasn't super thrilled with jumping with Yoshi and having to use the IR pointer to get his tongue to lap, latch onto stuff because because eh, there's shaking involved and pointing and I don't really like I like it when like with the Wii it was always I liked it better when it was just one or the other per- personally I prefer the I- IR pointing stuff 
But I think Galaxy 1's a more complete game. It just feels like a more finished, well-rounded product. Galaxy 2 just feels like all this one, all, all this extra stuff we couldn't get into the first game. All right. Yeah. I'd honestly need to replay both to, to say how I feel now. I, I, I remember when they were more recently uh, released. So 2007, 2009, or 2010? 2009, right? It came out two years apart. Uh, yeah, Galaxy 2 was 2009 because it came out the same month as Red Dead Redemption. Okay. <laughs> and... 2007 was... Yeah, uh, Galaxy 1. Galaxy I remember one. that. Um, I remember in that time frame, after 2009, I thought 2 was the better one. But I, I think it's been long enough that I need to replay both to, to make a verdict, like a, a final verdict on that. Um, I think that's uh, pretty much it. There was something about Spirit Tracks, but it was a joke thing, so I don't think we really need to, to read it. But, yeah, a little sad. Because you haven't been on... Even, I don't think you've seen any of the previous episodes, but we started with some older issues. They got, like, way more columns, more fan art. Oh, yeah, more... you, you can tell this was near the end. Actually, it wasn't even so much that this was near the end. The problem was is that Nintendo had about three-plus dark years where they really didn't care about a person who would be subscribing to Nintendo Power is the problem there. I think... I think that, you know, A, you had the online stuff obviously hitting the press, print media hard, but you also had basically Nintendo just not really being all that concerned about, you know, people who love Kid Icarus, for example. <laughs> so I think they just lost a ton of their audience, honestly, from... It, it was like a slow degrade from the SNES era, and you can just see that from the console sales alone. And then when they got the Wii and it was super popular and successful, it was... Not necessarily a bunch of people who were like, hey, remember you played GoldenEye back in the day? Oh, I played GoldenEye, I love GoldenEye. Like, they, they didn't necessarily immediately jump on the bandwagon for the Wii. The Wii was, was kind of hit, hit that mass consumer fad. So, I don't know. I just, I think the reason why Nintendo Power kind of like shrunk in its letters and its fan art and all that stuff is just because Nintendo was in a position where they were just kind of like, we're getting grandma involved. Um, we love it too. We love it too if you you know you're still here. But it's just like I don't think there was a lot of incentive for people to start to write into Nintendo Power anymore. Like it just got to a point where it's just kind of like you you because that was 2010. That was right after E3 where they had their big comeback. But before that, what were you going to talk about? Animal Crossing City Folk and Wii Sports Resort? <laughs> like what was there to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean all that all that's true. All the things occurred. To- Contributed to the downgrade decline. Well, I can speak today of print publications. I mean, yeah. Why would you write your letter? Uh, one thing uh, to point out, though, at this time period is that uh, Nintendo Power was no longer owned directly by Nintendo anymore. Is, is that the f- future? Is that future? Yes. Okay. This is one that's under future because in their tips for getting published uh, little box at the end that I man- managed to catch a glimpse of, it said, "Remember, we're not owned by. We're not. We don't make the games. We just write about the games. Like mm-hmm. so, they're reminding people we're not owned by Nintendo anymore. Because yeah. if you look back at the older issues, while they kind of keep this illusion of being like kind of separated yeah. from like the development side of it, they clearly had that access. Like it was clear this was a product of Nintendo first party arm." Of publishing and pushing out stuff that they wanted and stuff, but also giving it the illusion of you know we still have writers who are allowed to say sure. and speak their mind, and, but and, it's always about Nintendo. <laughs> to, to be frank, though, especially during the late '80s, early '90s, like there wasn't much difference between a Nintendo owned Nintendo Power and 
you know, Game Pro. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm throwing. I don't know why I'm throwing shade at Game Pro in particular, but like, just every magazine was an extension of PR, basically, for, for the longest time. Anyway, so it, it, it they always had that illusion, but there they were almost there was almost no difference between the fact that one was published by Nintendo and one wasn't. <laughs> like, you you still played nice to Nintendo, you know, especially when it came to first party games. Definitely. That is going to wrap it up for our first section, dear Nintendo. We're going to move on to our first uh, discussion topic of the episode. Uh, recently, uh, I got to go to a very brief, very brief preview event for Sonic Forces, the new Sonic game being released on many a platform, including Nintendo Switch. Which is why I bring it up here. Um, I think I got hands-on for. A few minutes here and there on certain parts, so giving impressions of how it played I don't think is the best thing I could do at this point. Um, And to clarify one thing, I am historically not a fan of preview events. I don't like playing hands-on with preview builds of most things, unless it's something very unique and new and I just want to get my my head around the concept just so I can be able to talk about it a little bit better until it comes out. But especially if it's something I know I'm going to play, or even especially if I'm going to review... I don't want to play like a little snippet and it's like, oh, see you in a month. You get don't get to play the rest. I'm like, no, no, no. I want to f- give me the whole game. What the heck? So yeah. like, I really hate that. E three is like the like this weird double edged sort of like I love it because it's like new new news, new games being shown off at the same time. Like I hate playing a game for five, ten, or fifteen minutes and like that's it for maybe a year or more. It's like, God, I hate, like I hate that. So I think it's really dependent on the game. That too. Yeah, and like, I think this varies from person to person. Some people love. Getting their hands on stuff early, if it's to play for a few minutes and form and formulate impressions about it. Yeah, I don't like doing that because the earlier game is like it's not the final game, and, and I don't like passing. I don't like previews that pass judgment on something. I do like when they raise concerns about stuff, like oh, yeah. there's clearly problems but, here. But I mean, even you would probably have to admit, like a lot of what you play at E3 is exactly like the final game. I was about to make that point that historically, uh, the evidence that I've experienced personally shown that. There isn't that much change between them. Yeah, there really, uh, there really isn't. Because nowadays they're so like, things, people are a lot more guarded nowadays. So that when we played Breath of the Wild um, a year or year plus ago, whatever, when it was just the Breath of the Wild only E three. Yep. That was the same game. Oh, the pl- <laughs> yeah, the Great Plateau. Yeah, whatever. like yeah, that was. I mean, super granted, close. obviously you can. There were there were things that were tiny, tiny little things that might have been different, but. Reality is, is like that was basically the yeah. same game when it came out. The like, major components aren't generally changed that much. Like nothing, really, nothing was. The, the graphics were the same. The controls were basically the same. Like I, I believe even the, the the first shrines were the same. Like there really was not any difference. And and I mean nothing, nothing significant. Not, not even hardly anything to write home about. And yeah, I just that's one of the things I learned from going to E three all the years that I have. Where it's just kind of like. By the time you get to E3, when you're playing like a like a demo at E3, it's a it's a finished slice of the game. They're called the vertical slice, and nine times out of ten, you you the game you play at E3 is the game you get. Uh, the only games that seem to really change are like fighting games, because they'll actually take the feedback to heart. And and usually fighting games, you're you're really able to like implement changes a little a little quicker. Maybe not graphically, but Mechanically, they can they can balance things much quicker, like by what you know taking all the data in from E3. So fighting games I've seen that they've kind of changed 
from E3 to final build, but I mean, generally, I mean, if it's like Mario, like Mario Odyssey, I guarantee you that when we play the final build of that game, it's going to be oh yeah, like New Donk City will have been New Donk City. That's why I didn't want to get. That's why I skipped the one preview event that we were asked to go to because I was like, no, I, I know that's the final game. I'm going to be playing it and reviewing it. Uh, so my biggest issue now. The, the 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 number one issue why I don't like preview events is because I don't get to play the whole thing. That's really mm-hmm. it. I it's I don't like I hate it with like all other forms of media. Television stuff, I prefer the Netflix stuff. I love having everything available at once. Like those new shows versus having to wait week. Like Game of Thrones, like shit, can you just release all of it at once, please? Yeah, like yeah. I get people love the spectacle and stuff and I, I see some appeal in that. It's not for me. This, so, th- applying this to the Sonic preview event, combine my thing of I don't like playing games at preview events or even really going to them because I don't get the whole game, combined with they, they did the worst of what of that extreme of barely get to play any of it. Yeah. And they, and they, showed, and they showed off very little of it, too. Um, and they, what they showed off was a little bit new or completely new stuff or just new parts of things we've already seen before. Uh, the footage is out there. Uh, there are clips out there that you can go check out. Uh, I'll be running some of them here that were provided to us by Sega. But I don't want to focus on my impressions of Forces because I didn't get to play enough of it. And I haven't played enough of it to really yeah. say anything about that. What I do want to use this uh, platform to discuss is its close proximity to another Sonic game that came out earlier this year. Sonic Mania. And the fact that we're having two major Sonic games coming out so close to each other in this time frame is a pretty unique situation. But now that Sonic Mania is out, yeah. uh, you've played it, I played it, we played it together on a stream together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the only time I actually played through it. Um, reception to it was pretty well. Uh, how did it sell, actually? Do you know? It's selling really well. Okay, so it's selling really well. Um, uh, I think it's like one or two uh, uh, downloaded titles on eShop in both America and Europe. Nice. For like uh, two months now. It's doing. That's just switch, but I it's just doing. Yeah, that. I assumed it was doing well. It's because it's not like a, a big physical release. It's a lot. Of, I mean, there is no physical. Yeah, like zero. Oh, there wasn't. There wasn't one physical for Switch. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought there was a physical no. for Switch. Um. So yeah, it's all digital, which is why it's not showing up in MPD. I guess completely. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, it will be nice to see Sega come out and like talk about that at some point. Uh. Down the line, but we got forces. So Mania was kind of the this attempt to rekindle what made 2D Sonics great. The, the the thing that like fans have been asking for is like you guys have kind of failed with your attempts to you know revamp to or jumpstart the 2D series again because like it was the, the divergence. Ever since would you say like Sonic Adventure was the beginning of the divergence of 2D and 3D Sonic, or do you think it happened a little bit before that, uh, like with the teams working on like alternating ones or stuff like that? Sonic's history is really weird if you go all the way back to uh, post Genesis era, um, because Sonic Team didn't make uh, a Sonic game after Knuckles until Sonic Adventure and there was a whole period of, of turmoil uh, between East and West and, and um, basically what to do with Sonic. So like the problem was is if you remember back when the 3264 era came in like people had a really tough time adapting 2D games to 3D and really yep. like only Nintendo and maybe a couple other choice things they even did it well. It was mostly Mario Zelda. Um, but uh, Sonic had this weird thing where, like, obviously Sega knew they needed a Sonic game for Saturn, and then they never got it. 
They got a port of 3D Blast, which sucks. They got Sonic R by Traveler's Tale, which is not good. Um, <laughs> they had Sonic Jam, which is just a compilation. But Sonic Team, in a, in a way, I, I feel to really wrap the, to put this all in a nutshell, has been s- kind of sabotaging its own series for over 20 years now. Because there was even a point where um, a, a, I believe, Sega uh, Technical Institute, STI, uh, was using the Knights engine that Sonic Team had made for Knights and was trying to make Sonic Extreme using that. And apparently Yuji Naka found out and was furious that someone was using his engine, even though it's, it's Sega and it's a Sonic game. And, and basically, like, threw a fit and, and had the project completely canceled, uh, which is why things turned to that fisheye lens version we see uh, existing now. And, yeah, so then we finally got to Sonic Adventure, and at that point, it by 99, or 98, late 98, when we, I think when it actually came out in Japan, video gaming had kind of really shifted towards that, that sort of cinematic mentality. Um, the Adventure series is, is Adventure's a good name for it because clearly no one really knew what to do with Sonic in 3D on the Saturn. And then you, when you finally got to the Dreamcast, they, 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 their idea was basically you know to turn it into like this sort of serial multi-character arc, blah blah blah. And um, personally, I, I, I don't think it. I don't, I don't like it. People have a lot of fond memories of Sonic Adventure, but those games have aged like a melon or a banana. Like they're not good to play anymore. Uh, a big part of the reason is is like there's so many there's so many freaking cutscenes. Like Sonic talking, I think ruins Sonic. It, it was it was like giving Tom and Jerry voices in the Tom and Jerry movie. And if you really think about it, like every Sonic game past you know Adventure, Adventure One, or Adventure Two, and then Sonic Heroes, blah blah, they all had a new gimmick every single time. Now apparently that became a, that was a mandate by Sega that you can't just make a 3D Sonic. He's got there's got to be a hook. You got to have a hook. Sonic Adventure was a six character. Sonic Adventure Two was like the the Knuckles playstyle and the Tails shooty playstyle. And then uh, Sonic Heroes had the three characters at once thing. And then then there was like Sonic Unleashed uh, with the Werehog. And then there was Sonic Colors, which was probably the closest to purity with the Wisps. And then Generations was like their one throwback game. Hey, it's just, Let's just, let's just do what people want. Um, and then, you know, Sonic Lost World had that weird spherical design. And and then, yeah, this is where Sonic... Uh, obviously, Sonic 06, I, I didn't forget, <laughs> I forget that, that piece of trash. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, we get to Sonic... Sonic Forces just confuses the hell out of me. Because, on the one hand, it looks like they're basically... Two-thirds of it is just, hey, let's just make a new generation's. Mm. You know, with the classic Sonic, the modern Sonic. And then they have, which I don't know if it's intentional or, or or they're really not aware, but the idea of making a custom Sonic friend, to me, just, it's genius. But but also awful in, in the same respects, you know what I mean? Uh, because everyone and their mother wants to make their Cold Steel the Hedgehog. Um, and if you're not squeamish about, about really harsh, cringy language look up cold steel the hedgehog on google um warning huge teen angst in it but um it's hilarious and that's and and here's the other thing that's funny about sonic is that you can type in any name the hedgehog like <laughs> the hedgehog you know matt the hedgehog and you will get all kinds of original characters there are original character names for for any name in the book 
You know, it, it is like one of those keychain things at Disneyland where like everyone's got their name represented. You put in your name, the Hitchhawk, and I guarantee you someone's made an original character. So in a way, it's genius that they're they're actually making this a reality. But that gameplay is so boring looking <laughs> from everything I've seen. Especially there was the Casino Forest stage where there wasn't one single enemy. Um, some people have speculated that maybe it was like a special mission thing, you know, like in Sonic Generations where it was like, oh, collect this many rings in this time frame or something. I mean, I hope, but it's, it is a very blah-looking game. Uh, for, for a title coming from Sonic Team that they haven't worked on since Lost World. You know, because they didn't do Sonic Boom. Yeah, I hope that's like, Sonic Boom. Which, you know, with Zone Trainwreck, but... Sonic Team has not made a mainline Sonic game since Lost World, and that's actually a pretty long time. Uh, and then here's Forces, and it's it's kind of just this this weird fever dream of Sonic Generations mixed with DeviantArt, you know, to create Sonic Forces. Uh, it, it's it's really bizarre to me. Like I don't I don't really know what to think of it other than, frankly, I don't think Sonic Team knows what they're doing. I don't know that they and I don't know that they have since the Saturn, honestly. Like, that's my hot take on it, is that Sonic Team's been lost on the franchise since the Genesis era ended. Hmm. Like, personally speaking. I'm going to say that Sonic Forces, the first reveal of Sonic Forces, that first teaser trailer where they had old and new Sonic, I thought it was going to be like a Generations 2. Yeah, that's what everyone thought. And I was like, okay, well, Colors and Generations were probably their most well-received 3D Sonic games since the... Adventure games, probably. Yeah. Everything after that has not been very well received, uh, 3D-wise. So I'm like, okay, they're, they're, they they want to start with Generations as a starting point and go from there. And then I thought, oh, maybe they're just going to throw in color stuff as well. This is what this Forces thing is. The more I've seen that that game, and this is why I said, like, I you know, we said, like, games wouldn't usually change so much from the preview to the release. Like, I just don't see this game as very interesting. I think the creative character thing is, like, is just pandering complete pandering to the fan base to to, to get like, it has they have the unique abilities so they have like like uh, you've seen yeah, the footage yeah. they got the drill guy the drill bird with the drill you can just like just spam it through and charges yeah. up blast through enemies well, and well, knocks well, them out it, it, the, the animal you get the Depends on the ability you get, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's, it, it's not the it wasn't the pipe dream of I, I can make the gotta go fast artwork character. Like it's it's there are, there are some <laughs> conditions in place for the creative character, custom character. So it isn't like completely free form, right. <laughs> like some people like are imagining. But yes, like the the power abilities um, are finite, and those are what probably makes them the most unique element about them so we talked about the drill also lets you like climb up walls and stuff by like holding it down you know like the lightning whip which you know just like spam it kill enemies uh one of the powers you can like ride coins to to buy there's a segment that they showed me where there's a bunch of platforming you could have done or if you jumped at this right spot hit held down it was a playstation 4 version hold down the triangle button you could ride this kind of like roller coaster of coins and at the end of each little like kind of segment of them you could push the x button to like grapple the air the air dash at a, an object or an enemy and then bounce up and continue to hire to another string of coins and I, bypass an entire segment of platforming actually yes. those are called rings 
in Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm calling them coins. It's coins in Mario Brothers. Yes. It's Gold rings. I, I saw the Mega Sonic. 64 stop, video. Stop being such a Nintendo fanboy. It's I, rings. I saw the I saw the Mega 64 video. I saw the gold rings. I I, I, I am informed, but yes, I apologize, Sonic fans, for that. Uh, I just just went with coins because I'm probably because I'm staring at a picture of Mario in front of me right now. <laughs> There's probably subliminally subliminally saying, "Say coins, Damiani. You better say coins. Don't you dare go to the Sega side and abandon us." Um, but yes, the Trail of Rings. Yeah, and that was like a thing they introduced in Sonic Adventure One. Uh, okay. It was like the light dash shoes or something. I don't, I'm sad. I'm sad. I remember this, but uh, the the 3D segments, like the going forward part of the 3D segments, they they just seemed like there's a little small segments of platforming, very basic platforming, but otherwise, it, there's just more interactive elements to the going fast parts where it's like you can either hop onto different rails again, but it's like a little bit more clear where you need to go. There's like quick time event type stuff to like take advantage of like going too fast and stuff but like to prompt you to do stuff in advance they, they've kind of streamlined it a bit but at the same time it feels less like a game and more of just like i don't know this Dragon's little, uh, yeah this like kind of interactive adventure type thing on some points but like the side scrolling parts are where the platforming happens the most usually and to me that's like it's done so much better in sonic mania it's like this doesn't yeah. even come the 3d uh, sorry, the platforming segments in 3D Sonic games presented as a, from a side perspective, like, have never been good to me. Like, no, like, how and, can and I get they, those so wrong? And they, and they always have this thing where, like, there's always, like, one type of just generic, like, fat guy or fat guy with a lance kind of Igbot, whatever, uh, badnik that you, that you get, like, one type of badnik per level, which is weird. And a lot of the times, it's, it's basically just setting up things so you can hit, like, a speed boost, you know, to go on a rail. Um, they don't have the sort of depth or verticality that Sonic Mania did because Sonic Mania was taking really uh, lib- uh, staying really faithful to Sonic 3 style of you know there's about there's there's three general paths to the end of every level and 3D Sonic games one they're always looser they don't feel as tight control wise mm-hmm. uh, and and two a lot of them are just set up to like they're set up to be faster even than Sonic Mania because even Sonic Mania I feel put in a lot more roller coaster moments in 2D Sonic than even the old Sonic games like there are a lot of roller coaster moments per level uh, but the 3D side scrolling Sonics you know usually starting around Sonic uh, Unleashed you know Unleashed Colors Generations and now Forces um, they're they're very sort of bland they're just kind of set up just to just so you, so you can find a moment to like do the homing attack or do the spin dash and just kind of like blaze through something, get to the next 3D segment. So you can go really fast, you know, you hit a speed boost, and then we'll do the thing where the camera pans around to your back, and then you know you hit left or right. It, it there's the level design is not very intuitive, and I say that as a huge fan of 2D side scrollers. Uh, the 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 design in in 2.5D Sonic is Garbo, most of the time. It's usually just a setup so you can see a cool roller coaster moment, and that's about it. Do you think that part of the problem, or the reason they're having so much trouble delivering uh, a stellar quality 3D Sonic? I know fans have their different opinions. Some love the adventure games. Some think Sonic Colors was like an amazing game. 
I, I wasn't one of those people, but some do. Do you think it's because there isn't a good blueprint to start with? Like, there was for the 2D Sonic games. Like, Mania was mostly, largely possible because they could go back to, these games were revered. These games are, were critically acclaimed. These games we could just emulate. If we just get close to that feeling but do enough new, it should be a safe bet. But, like, it still takes a lot of effort to do that. Do you think cause that might not exist in the 3D games? That they're just st- struggling to find, like, an identity. It, like, as you said, like, it feels like it's taking part of Generations, part of, like, Colors, part of other ones. Like, it doesn't feel like they have, like, this definitive version to go back yeah. to and be like... And that, well, I think that's they also have the, the problem. Pro- they also have the other problem where these games still sell well regardless. Because oh. there's actually a lot of sold copies of Sonic 06 uh, in, in existence. Like that game sold decently enough. Like the problem is that um, even bad Sonic games still manage to get sales. So you can't really ever. I mean, everyone's got a different opinion on what works and what doesn't work, and then you can't even look at the sales of a Sonic game because I feel they're consistent enough between all their releases that you're not going to get a general consensus of people really liked or really disliked uh, this this newer 3D Sonic because they kind of generally sell. They're they're like they're like Cars toys where Cars toys are like the safest toy to buy. Like if you have a little nephew or or or, or you have like you know uh, just a kid that you know or babysitter maybe you are a father i don't know i don't know i don't know what the age range of easy allies patrons are or whatever but um if you have kids or whatever and and you have to shop for them and you have no idea what that kid likes you can kind of just be like well i'll get him a car i'll get him some car stuff you know that's a safe bet you know i mom's not going to be mad at it you know it's not hyper violent it's not like say the gi joe aspect where there's guns and there's there's bombs and there's terrorists and you know i don't know like you know maybe uh power rangers is pretty violent ninja turtles and i'll get him a car's toy and sonic i feel is the same way in video game form where it's just like people will buy those games for their kids because even if they don't know if their kid will like it or not they they can feel safe knowing that i there's nothing in this game that's going to upset you know that kid's parents because it's sonic blue hedgehog running around or whatever you know it's it's safe so I think they don't ever really get any any good feedback um, on top of it. And then the other fact too is kind of bring up the again Sonic Team has not had a a real winner um, at least with Sonic. I feel they actually I actually really like the the gameplay of, of Knights and PSO. Mm. But like I think Sonic and 3D just didn't work. And here's my thing on this is some franchises just don't work in 3D. Sonic doesn't work in 3D. Contra doesn't work in 3D. Castlevania really doesn't work in 3D. And I don't want to hear any crap about Lords of Shadow because that game had awful hit detection. Um, and it was barely even a Castlevania game. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, some franchises just do not work in 3D. Um, and, and, and don't really work in 2.5D either because of the way hitboxes and physics work in 2.5D. I think, yeah, I think that holds some truth. Uh, I'll agree with you. Like, I, I think if you're trying to make the spirit of 2D Sonic into 3D. I think that has been the, the best like they 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 have had mixed results with that at best as you've outlined and stuff. Yeah. Like I I think that is the problematic. I would argue for like Sonic maybe when they're try- if they want to keep trying to do 3D games because you said they still sell. I think the only one to sell well was a uh, Lost World because it was exclusive to Wii U. Yeah. And Wii U was also a low selling right. low installer base low install base. If that had been a multi-platform title it probably would have sold. I still think that that sold like 725 or 750,000 units. It was still something like pretty damn good for okay. for Wii U. It wasn't it wasn't good for general 
But I mean, like you're right. I mean, it didn't sell too hot because it was a week. Yeah, for that's a why while. they don't do the exclusivity with Nintendo anymore, like that. For yeah, that, that. But yeah, but they still, as your point was, they still sell well enough that like they're probably gonna still want to keep making 3D Mario games or 3D Mario again. I'm staring at Mario yeah. 3D, 3D Sonic games because uh, they're not gonna leave that money on the table. I I, I do think personally, uh, maybe they should try going for something different. Uh, as you said, it might not not be too, it's not 2D Sonic, which you could argue is that even a Sonic game anymore, but there are clearly 3D platformers out there that got it right. Maybe they have to look at that for something. But at the same time, you, you pointed out some other franchises like Castlevania. Um, I'm kind of curious because like people like to say Dark Souls is like they're Bloodborne uh, more sure. so than all of them. Is like the, that is like 3D Castlevania realized. Sure, like, kind of. But like you, you don't have the platforming element. Right. Like there's platforming in Souls and Bloodborne. Yes, a little I, bit. A little bit. But like it's not to the degree. There isn't like action platforming. On the scale, I say I would say of the Castlevania games, yeah. like that, and I think that might be the cost. I think action platforming in three D games, it's either going to be character action game, which is like it's surprised they never did like a Castlevania game like that, but that would have been all action oriented. Where's the exploration really in that? There's a, there's very light exploration and puzzle solving yeah. in Devil May Cry games or most character even Bayonetta. Like there's not too terribly too much of that. Whereas like that's people want that Symphony of the Night Metroidvania style three D feel with the, 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 the action yeah, and platforming, the, which is the first Devil May Cry is the closest to like a perfect 3D yeah. Castlevania, and even then, that's only that's only so close. Yeah, to being like so, Castlevania. So. I, I see the yeah, I do see that like the difficulties. I mean, freaking Nintendo skipped the whole gener- 3D generation. It was because you mentioned how good Nintendo was at N64 was Mario and Zelda bringing them to 3D. Yeah, Metroid didn't make that jump because they couldn't figure it out. So yeah. like, not every game like it might take more time. Well, fun fact was actually they actually offered it to Rare. Uh, mm. During the N64 era, and Rare turned it down because they're like, "No, we don't think we can do it." Yeah, and they're just like, "I don't know, no, we don't think we can do justice to Metroid in 3D." Like, and so, yeah, it took Toll Prime. Yeah, and that was well. So I feel like it captured the spirit. It's a drastically different type of. It's a first-person yeah, yeah. shooter, pretty much. It's but it like, had a lot of platforming in it, and still. they still got the platforming in it. So they, they found a compromise. It took time. For me, I wonder, like. You know, with Sonic 3D, it, it, it's like, what would happen if like they let like the Mario team take a crack at a Sonic game or something like a 3D Sonic game? Like team behind, you know, you're not, you know, what I'm talking about Koizumi and Tezuka taking yeah. a crack at, at that to see what they could do, or, or just any other pl- like 3D like per team as proven themselves to make a decent I, 3D platform. I, I guess, I guess, I could concede that it might be possible to make a really good 3D Sonic work. Uh, I, I think it's clear at this point it's not going to come from Sonic Team um, but realistically speaking I think yeah, I, I think you should just let Christian Whitehead and Pagoda mm. West and the other guys just make Sonic games like 2D Sonic 2D games, Sonic games yeah. and then Sonic Team should just go on and make more games like Knights and PSO now gotcha. granted obviously people be like Knights Knights doesn't sell at all but it's like well obviously not but um, I would rather see them try to go off and do new things like that uh, and, and just let the people who know what they're doing with Sonic make Sonic games because I think the weirdest, starkest reality of this whole four-month block where, where it was between August and November is you have two Sonic games where a complete fan-driven game with like a core team of about like 10, 15 people have vastly... Like hilariously outclassed 
the actual homegrown team in Japan at their own game. So, and the thing is, is and and, and I and I, I work I work with uh, you know in the education field, and I see kids all you know all the time. Kids really don't care if Sonic's 3D or 2D, like that much. Like the Sonic fans will play any Sonic game. Like they will play and they will love Sonic Mania, and they do. And it doesn't matter that it looks like a slightly better Genesis game. Uh, it, it to them they don't they don't see the same. Uh, arms race for graphics that we did that we grew up through because we live in an era where Minecraft and, and PUBG are like the two biggest games on the planet and they look like crap graphically but don't you know what the even the younger generation they don't care and the older savvier people like us we don't personally care heck we think it's awesome when a Sonic game looks like Mania yeah so I, I feel it's it's Instead of like a, a a race to graphical fidelity, it's more like a race to the bottom, because Sonic Forces has this weird sort of like post-apocalyptic look to Sonic, and it's like why, why would you, why would you make Green Hill Zone a desert? Why would you make Chemical Plant Zone all rusted over? Like this, this doesn't even look good anymore. Like you don't even have that sort of razzle dazzle three D effects anymore because now you just have hey look look at how look at how rotted Green Hill Zone is and it's like what, what is this an analogy for for your own development studio <laughs> I mean <laughs> I don't I don't I don't get it. it forces just confuses me like I I do not know what the purpose of the game is other than to 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 make money all right um, I want to wrap up this segment by asking this. After Forces comes out, it's a what if, a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. What if Forces comes out, doesn't sell very well. Or, or Mania is a clear winner. Mania out, ends up outselling and outpacing Forces, and Forces is critically panned. Or at least doesn't get very good reviews. Like It's just like average at best. Yeah. Do you think that will trigger any kind of major shift in, in Sega and Sonic Team in that... We're going to go forward going forward. We're focusing on 2D games. I remember they said something about we're going to take a wait-and-see approach to how yeah. Mania is received. And I also took that to assume let's also see how Forces is like received. So what happens if Mania comes out the clear winner? I don't know. Like My fear is actually that it causes more of a rift than anything. Mm. Um, the scenario like Sega wants is that both of them to sell amazing. But say Mania does become the clear victor in this sales contest or whatever i almost think that it's going to cause more backlash than good because this happened already before within sega where the original owner back in the 90s hired tom kolansky to make the genesis profitable and he did it by saying i want to drop the system 100 bucks i want to pack in a game being sonic the hedgehog um and i want to and i want to push for the sports agenda which sega of japan hated absolutely furious with that idea but the president was like, "No, what? I hired him. I'm gonna go with his. I'm gonna go with his gut instinct." And they did it. And that's when the Genesis, for a time till about Donkey Kong Country, outsold the Super NES. Was the more popular console for a little bit. Was ahead of the game. Sega's response to this was basically to assume complete control uh, going forward. Because after the 32X kind of fizzled out. They were like, we're going to do everything. We're going to make all the decisions. We're going to launch the Saturn now, even though we told you we're going to launch it, you know, months from now. There was a huge internal rift between Sega of America and Sega Japan because Sega Japan was so pissed 
that Sega of America had outsold them and was more popular than them in the foreign market than in their homegrown market of Japan. So I almost wonder if this will cause the same problem where it's like Sonic Team's going to get so outclassed and they'll, they'll just they'll just be pissy about it. And it'll just cause more rift and more of a problem than anything. Um, which is, that's just the cynic in me seeing that, where the smart thing to do would just be, where if I was in charge, me would just be like, well, okay, clearly uh, you're not, Sonic Team's not really necessary anymore. Uh, we can we can get better selling Sonic games with less people and, and outsourced um, by, by Sonic Team. Uh, but I, I, I would personally try to like just move them on to other, other projects, you know. You know, again, go back to Knights, go back to PSO. Hell, resurrect Burning Rangers. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I if they decide to go that route, I can see, like, moving on to other projects. Maybe that team is just tired of working on Sonic as well. Who knows if it's, like, mandated from above them, that, like, because they are called Sonic Team, despite yeah. them working on other projects. Like, you're always going to be making Sonic games, guys. Like, yeah. You, know, you never know the, the full story. Um, I, I tend to, my real quick, I tend to believe that, like, if this the scenario plays out, um, what you just said, like I don't think it'll be. A re- hopefully, it will not be a repeat of the '90s with Genesis, just because I think I mean it's been 20 years since then, over 20 years. Also, Sega being more, I think they're more. I think they they hate to be like cynical, but like I don't think they care as much uh, if one territory does better than the other. Like they want to get offensively, they'll be like business minded to be like, oh, why did that do better? Do more of that that makes us money. Like I think they're yeah. gonna go with the money. And be more business driven. And if Mania is on, and they say, "Oh, it costs this much to make it, and it sold this much," the worst case would be Sonic Team. You're gonna be, you'll be backup to Christian Whitehead and all, and yeah. that, that team to support them in making whatever games they want until other we say otherwise. Which that might cause like a internal studio rift, but I don't think it'll be like a company wide rift where like. Yeah, yeah of the, I mean, of the magnitude. If you were I saying. was Sonic Team, I'd actually be glad if they told me you're going to do something else. I'd be like, thank God, you know. <laughs> Personally speaking, so we'll see. Again, uh, I apologize. It's not so much hands-on impressions, but again, they didn't really give me much time with the game. The whole appointment was like 30 minutes and included more than just the game. There was like some other information and stuff. Uh, you saw the the comic they announced. Yeah, because they're 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 moving from Archie to IDW. Yep, they had they that was part of their their thirty minute presentation was in and, there, and that's yeah. weird too. Like they didn't they I think they were like six issues away from issue two hundred in Archie. And I'm like, why not just let them finish out to two hundred and call it a day at that? Like, yeah, why they're they're doing like the mid season cancel. And right now, I personally, you know, I I don't care. What I, I used to have the first issue when it came out in like ninety one or whatever ninety two, but. Um, personally speaking, about from my point of view, for someone who knows nothing about the Sonic comics, I'm like, why don't you just let Archie finish up whatever arc they were on, and then then move over to IDW? What, just whatever, who cares? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Seems a little seems a little weird and unfair to, to the Archie comic fans. There, there are some outlets out there. Uh, I I did read up on it like a year ago or something, or earlier this year for something, and I forgot about it now. But there, there's there's a pretty good history about the, the Archie Sonic stuff and. All that and like they actually, I think they go into some depth about why they think Sega went this way. But anyway, that the point was that took up some of the time, which is why I didn't have whole, even thirty minutes with the game. Yeah. Didn't even have fifteen minutes with the game. So um, yeah, that's why I'm not giving you really any like hands-on stuff uh, impressions from it because not enough time uh, to really say much of it. Just got to go off what I saw and what's out there. And uh, yeah, that I think that's gonna wrap it up for the the the. 
the Sonic Forces in Mania discussion. But uh, we got one other topic to talk about, and it's only came up because we're recording this later in the week. If I had gone through and recorded this on Tuesday, this would not have made this episode. And it probably will, might be resolved by the time the next episode would have gone up, so who knows. Maybe it's a end up being a non-story, but right now it is a story. And that is the report from a U.S. Gamer article by Matt Kim that claims that Nintendo of America is clamping down on review copies for North American press outlets and and influencers or anyone who gets a early release version or early release copy of the game because of a leak of Mario Luigi Superstar Saga and it goes that last month a copy of uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga and Bowser's Minions the remake for the 3DS uh, it got leaked uh, several weeks before its official street date in North America and uh the story has multiple sources that basically said that they that they know who did it. Uh, they, they they were able to use their their the, the ways they have to identify uh, who got what copy of a game to 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 identify who did it. So they know who did it. They don't out who did it. Um, the article kind of paints the timeline of what went down from like the leak to this. Uh, if you want to get a more full story about it, uh, essentially when Nintendo found out who did it. Uh, and found out it was a North American influencer. Um, story is, it's uh, apparently a decently sized YouTuber who did it, but we still don't know who actually did it. Uh, because of that one person or organization organization's fallacy here, uh, the rest of North America is apparently getting punished for this. This is why no North American outlets have gotten. We are recording on October. 19th is about to be October 20th, which is the Friday, the release date of Fire Emblem Warriors for Switch and 3DS. Apparently no one in North America has review copies of that yet. They're not getting review copies of it, and the reason is because of this. Because the the Nintendo America is being forced to reevaluate its review process and is clamping down on copies going out and apparently this is extending to mario because if you go on twitter and look at a lot of the major outlets uh like polygon like ign like ars technica uh GameSpot, there are a lot of the staff there complaining where the hell's mario and the reason they're saying that is because our european counterparts are posting on twitter oh we've had mario odyssey for days look at this we're reviewing it and in a way or north american outlets are like yo what the hell in a way why does europe have it like why don't we have it and it's been a lot of silence, stonewall, uh, and just no inf- lack of information. Typical Nintendo thing. Um, so, yeah, this is a thing that's happening. Like, n- obviously, Nintendo has not made a statement about this, uh, publicly at least. I'm not aware of anyone at this point or anything like that. So, I want to talk about uh, this, the situation, because this is one. This isn't necessarily the first time something like this has happened, um, but two, the why this is happening and is this overreaching for for nintendo and i want to start on that overreaching point matt because if you remember a few years ago uh during the wii era a game was leaked in australia well i forget which wii game it was but they got sued by nintendo that was like prime three or something they got sued by nintendo for leaking that copy of that game 
and they won, but the guy obviously can't couldn't pay the fine or anything. Yeah. But like Nintendo took it seriously, but they went only after that one person mm-hmm. and punished that one person. So here's my thing: Are this Nintendo overreaching here? If all this is true, I mean, it did get leaked. Let's say they they, they are right with they they know who it is. Let's say to well, someone they had in the U.S. multiple Nintendo employees speaking under conditions of uh, non anonymous whatever. Yeah, an enemy. To you know, claiming it changed its internal review process, and even saying that hey. We've changed our inter- internal review process. This isn't like such a stretch, you know. It really isn't that. I, I don't even know how. I really don't know how it's not real. Just because, yeah, the, it did leak, and multiple sources were saying, yeah, we changed our internal review process for this. Well, that seems like that seems like just a logical conclusion right there. Um, it's it's so very. Uh, it, it's it's a little bit of cutting your nose to spite your face a bit uh, on one hand. Um, the other hand, it's so very it's so very fucking Japanese of them to do this <laughs> to go with this this sort of like uh, scorched earth mentality with uh, with regards to you know how they handle PR or distribution of their of their stuff. Um, and I say that as someone who's worked with and, and known people who had to be in daily contact with uh, Japanese companies, including NCL, on a daily basis. And um, the funniest thing about all of this is how pissy they're being over Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Now, it, it's a remake, sure, but it it's not almost. It's it's not new assets, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm mistaken on this, but... The it's the Superstar Saga part art. of it, it's it's mostly just the same sprites and the same graphics. Uh, you have the Bowser <laughs> minion part, which is new. Yeah, but. that's new. The the artwork, sprite work, apparently there's a big debacle over. Like they changed it enough that they, people said they ruined the aesthetic. Kind of okay. like how I claim like the Wind Waker HD ruined the aesthetic with mm. the bloom and stuff. Well, I mean, it, yeah. it's 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 a kind of just a re-release of an old GBA game. And, and here we go. Like, if you had any game that was going to get leaked to the internet, wouldn't you want it to be that one? You know? Wouldn't you rather that game get leaked than, than Mario Odyssey or Fire Emblem Warriors? I mean, it, yeah. It, it, with that specific point, it wasn't the worst thing to have gotten leaked. Yeah. The, the least damaging. However, backing it up a bit, I think the issue is... I don't think this is Nintendo of America... That necessarily started initiated this process. I think this is happening because I mean it would have been found out anyway. But like I think the mandate came down from Japan. Oh, I'm, Japan heard my, my, when Japan was informed about this, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. probably went ballistic. Yeah, my, it doesn't matter if it's the a remake of an older game to them. That's piracy. And someone who was granted trust because they're supposed to be doing their job. If you're an influencer, they still think it's your job to be an influencer. You breached contract with them. They are going to come down on you. So this reaction does not surprise me at all from Japan. Yeah, um, this almost, I'm almost sure this came down from NCL um, because that's how it always happens. Uh, I don't really want to speak about specific names or other companies, but I remember other (laughs) events happening where um, basically a question was brought to light about a game regarding a possible piracy or something you know bad could happen to this game because pirates would do something to it, mm. and they tried to warn their their Japanese owners, and Japan's immediate response was, 
well, why would anyone do that? That's illegal. <laughs> so 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 blind of the subject. And it, then when it does happen, of course they're like like dishonorable. Like you know, I've been betrayed. You know, like they they it, it's 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 so weird because it, it's it's been a kind of a I think in general with media, all media um, in general regarding piracy. It's been a very weird road where, you know, you we were around during the Napster days, uh, and it, it kind of became this thing where Napster, on the one hand, yeah, we, we, it got shut down, but it really opened the eyes to the music industry about direct download and, and why that was so important, you know, and why that was, that was so easy and um, why that was so what, – what they, they learned some good lessons from it. You know, before it used to be like, you gotta buy our CD, you gotta buy our cassette. You know, like anyone who does that, you wouldn't steal a car. Um, or, I'm sorry, you wouldn't download, download a, a car. You wouldn't download a car, and it's like, you goddamn right, I would download a car if I could. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, yeah. but I mean, like, yeah, that, that, that whole dumb mentality is, is not really serving you well. What you should take away from it is, is what are we not doing? How are we not serving yes. the consumer? better like what are, what are pirates doing better for the consumers than what we are because if you look at a game like mario and luigi superstar saga oh it got leaked early right why the hell was that game coming out weeks after they gave it to the reviewer it's a it's a remake a light very light remake of a 3d of a gba game like why well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm not sure what the release date was i'm assuming it's probably around this month it's the beginning of this month beginning of october this month. yeah october the 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 worst month of this year to release a game in, considering how many games are coming out this month. Why didn't they release it in late September? Why didn't immediately when it was done, they just start, just upload it to the eShop? Just be done with it. Yeah, you did hit a really good truth there. Uh, that note about piracy sometimes, or sometimes quite often, uh, is a good thing to look at because it points out a, a, a gap in your service. A high demand from an audience that uh, not all, obviously, not all pirates are ever going to pay for something no matter what you do for it. But a lot of reason people turn to other means, even like abandoning your service for another paid service, is because they're not getting something out of it, whether it's ease of use or like, which is usually ease of use. And here it's like, yeah, digital download. Like, why not release? Why didn't you release it early? The earliest version you could have get was on the eShop. Oh, if you go in the eShop and buy it now, it's available. If you want the physical version, it, we it, we gotta wait two three weeks for more manufacturing things to print enough copies to ship out because just we just put it to, you know to print like you know go gold like a, like a week or so ago. So it's gonna take that month time frame to get out there. But like we could put it digitally now. Like companies could like I mean uh, my, uh, EA does that. Their early access for their yeah. games, like you can get them, I believe, digitally early mm-hmm. if you're part of that program, yes, yeah. and then you can wait for the physical release after. But you got to pay for the other service. But people would do that definitely for Nintendo. Imagine getting digital stuff early. It clearly points out a problem here. I do also want to emphasize, because before I forget, is that this isn't a leak in the sense of like someone broke embargo. That's a whole different thing. Breaking embargo, you get you get blacklisted for a while, depending on the severity of it. You usually nothing like more serious than that happens like blacklisting obviously can mean you know they're not going to pay for ads and stuff it used to be it was a big deal but like it's not leading to criminal charges usually this leaking a a game is is, and contributing to piracy this is something i'm surprised like the person hasn't been found out because why is Nintendo brought criminal charges against this person like like what's going on here clearly something that was like I, i believe a federal offense like 
this was a serious crime what happened with this game getting leaked out um but their the response is basically that NCL's treating everyone as a criminal. Yes, that, uh, that, <laughs> that that's what well, that's the mentality. Whether they are whether whether they say they are or not, like the the mentality from this this you know, like I said, just burned earth mentality of punishment is like you're basically now treating everyone uh, as a felon. Uh, I don't think. I mean, they're treating us as, uh, as all of us as being guilty of the crime. I mean, if they treat us like a felon, they'd want to bring charges and stuff. Like, we're, they're basically well, right. they're, 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 they're like saying they're basically this decision is that we're all culpable. Every outlet, everyone who has ever had access to early games and still on these lists to get these copies uh, is culpable for this one person or group's uh, transgressions. You know what? Though here's here's what I say, and and um, to to the people who are, and you know, I'm not. I'm not throwing shade at, at, at the big companies like you know NWR or Game Explain or anything like that, but I'm just saying that there's a good side in a way to the say Fire Emblem Warriors, and that is these reviews will be completely honest. <laughs> one, there's no there's no incentive to have a review out by an embargo date, so no one's rushing the game. And then you also have the fact that if people had to go out and buy this game themselves. Their like their their level of investment's probably going to be a little greater in the game, and they're going to have a better perspective of looking at it. Like I just actually spent sixty dollars on this game. I'm gonna not that's going to weigh heavily on my mind on whether or not it was worth that money I spent when that person then reviews the game. So it's not going to be rushed, and I feel you're going to get a much more. I feel you're going to get more honest reviews out of people who are, in a way, forced to go out and buy it with their own money. Now, obviously, that's not really that's not really good if you're trying to make you know a living off of this stuff. Um, but I mean, even if they just send the game out the day of, I think you're gonna get you're gonna get more honest reviews. If you say we're not gonna have any embargo dates, where we'll send you a copy when it comes out uh, or, or midnight of the day of release, whatever. You know, without that that rush to like, I gotta get it ready. You know, both the you know the day before it comes out, I have to have that review. Now, that doesn't necessarily help some people who are looking forward to those reviews as a judgment call whether or not to buy the game. Now, that is the downside. Of yeah. this, is that now people who are on the fence about games, they now they have to like wait for the game to be out and still be on the fence, and that does suck. Um, and I mean, I don't know personally, uh, I, I do feel that like. They're real. This 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 is a baby with the bathwater scenario. And so, I, I guess I should explain. Someone said they never heard that expression, old timey expression where people used to have to throw bathwater out a window, and then they say you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Man, like when you had a baby and you gave the baby a bath, and so when someone says, "Hey, hey, honey, go throw out the bathwater," okay, and you forgot the baby was in there, and they oh. <laughs> throw the baby out. So the idea is that like you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's like you're 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 throwing everyone else out while trying to get rid of these scuzzy other people who leak the game. And it's like, well, there's still good people who are going to review these games and not leak it to the internet. So you're, again, it goes back to what I was saying, like kind of like cutting your nose to spite your face a bit, where it's like, you're not really doing yourself any media favor or any PR favor by denying people access to your title. So, again, but I don't I don't know, even even if... Even if there was a huge outcry from this, I don't know that, that, that it would ever land on anybody's ears at NCL, because they they are they are in their their weird 
white rectangular block tower of a building, <laughs> you know, in Kyoto. They are safely sealed away from the rest of the world. So, uh, yeah, what you're saying there uh, about the, I think an immediate effect of this is this is going to hurt Fire Emblem Warriors. There's going to be like virtually no coverage of this game until it's out. There's no reviews. There's no early. There's no early release coverage other than people commenting on the trailers and stuff. I think that game could use all the help it could get. Honestly, really? Um, did you see what they did today with the full DLC reveal? There no. are a lot of fans pissed. I heard there was a full DLC reveal. What was? What? It's the it's from from the th- the most recent games. Nothing before Awakening. And they put Tharja of all people in the paid DLC as well. Like the the the. the I would have thought she would have been fa- like fan favorite. You I would have thought she would have been the cover girl. Yeah, like that's like <laughs> talk about pandering. That that's the fan that, service. and that's a paid one. So you, yeah, you gotta pay extra to get. So Tharja. there's there's packs. And then they can buy them all as a season pass. And the reaction to it seems that I read it seems very, very negative. Like now people are like, well, they're just like, I'm skipping this game. I know nothing. Better make about, another I, one. I know nothing about the recent Finals, but I mean, I'm I'm surprised Tharja wasn't part of the base roster. That, but like that, that don't make a lot of sense to me. Just a lot of the, the legacy characters just not being in there. Yeah, fans are like, what are you doing? Like, imagine if Zelda's like, you can't have any. You, you, you have Link, but he has to look like Skyward Sword Link, and nothing yeah. else. You can't have the other Links, <laughs> and no character, no characters before Octrox uh, or DLC. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you can't have anything pre Twilight Princess. So Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, nope. Oh, Link's Pass, nope. Link's Awakening, nope. You can't have any of those characters at all because they're too old. They're only promoting. And, and stuff. I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite because because I'm a huge whore when it comes to Link's Awakening stuff. And I did end up buying Hyrule Warriors just, just for the Link's Awakening DLC. So I'm a hypocrite when it comes to all this this DLC stuff. But uh, do I? I highly regret it, even though I bought it with gift cards. <laughs> I still highly regret buying Hyrule Warriors because I did not like the game. But I was kind of surprised when you were saying that like it needs all the help we can get. Because I'm like, it's Fire Emblem Warriors. There's like 40 Warriors games. I kind of feel like people would know what you're getting into with a Warriors. Style. No, I do. I mean, I'm talking about like helping it sell well. Like the mobile game's a whole different story. Heroes, Heroes had the no barrier of entry because it's a free, to, like it's free with microtransactions in it. Mm-hmm. That's how it works, and that proved to be successful. That 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 obliterated the barrier of entry. This is gonna be a retail price game. Yeah. You have to go buy it. And if it doesn't have the things that you want out of it, even if you're a fan who knows what Fire Emblem is, you're gonna be very like hesitant. And I I, I, I see like I have virtually very I have very little interest in this game because of the ro- the roster. And I think yeah. if this doesn't sell well, they aren't they aren't gonna make a second one. Maybe if it sells well enough just in Japan, they'll make a second one. Maybe it's Japan only. But so like what they'll do is they'll 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 make it sell well because they'll they'll have DLC that'll have a bunch of ads with like Tharja's butt, and then that butt will be removed for the American version. Oh, here we but go. But it, it'll it'll still be enough. People will be aware of it from the Famitsu scan leaks or whatever. So everyone will download the DLC even in America, and then they'll get it, and then it'll be replaced. You know, with like a picture of Miyamoto's grinning face or something like that. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, I mean, this is just to illustrate a point, though, about like Fire Emblem. Like, sometimes when you think you're punishing the outlets, you're actually punishing yourself with some of these policies. Um, but like, well, like I snuck- th- 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 that's why I think like it's not. This lends me a little bit of evidence. It's not. It wasn't just NOA who made this decision. It's NCL because I oh, feel like yeah. if it was NOA, NOA would have probably been like instead of two weeks early, you're getting Fire Emblem Warriors like a few days before. Honestly, I think if it was NOA, they'd probably be like, God. Damn it! Like, well, we're gonna. We're, they're basically. They, they might have pruned a couple, couple. Uh, what, what do they call that? Influencers. They might have pruned a couple people off their list. 
Yeah, uh, like, yeah, that, that's... Nah, 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 a couple, we'll just prune a couple people, because I got blacklisted once. You were there for that. Um, <laughs> but it's like, that wasn't a... See, when I got blacklisted, it was a decision by the American branch, and all they did was just blacklist me. Uh, you personally? personally? It wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a swath of we're not going to send any outlet a game early. And actually, well, the thing was, I didn't do anything bad. Actually, I, I only got blacklisted because I gave a negative review score um, to a video game on directly on time in the embargo. Nothing was wrong. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong there. Nothing broken and nothing was loose. Oh, yeah. But I got blacklisted. But when the decision came down from the American branch of the company, it was just like, okay, we're just not going to send him anything. It was just me. And like, I, I found out that I let her begin friends with the people. <laughs> and they didn't know it for years who, who that I was the person who they blacklisted in the past. But, I mean, it was just one of those weird things where um, I believe if America had, if it was their call, they'd prune a couple in video influencers, YouTubers, whatever, and then that would be that. But NCL probably wants to see, like, it's almost like Yakuza-like mentality, like, I want to see his hand cut off kind of thing. Like, you know, remove those fingertips from <laughs> from the uh, from the American side of it. Like, you know, it's 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 probably like a, a show of force is what I think this is. Um, which sucks because um, uh, as, as a, uh, you know, even for you guys, you know this is going to affect, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's, here we are almost Friday. You don't think you have Fire Warriors yourself. No, no one's getting it. No, North, no North American. Yeah. It's getting uh, it. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know what your. I don't know what the story with Odyssey is, but um, I can say you know going into the future. I mean, crap. <laughs> you guys ain't getting Xenoblade Two probably till day one, till December first, and that's gonna suck because that's gonna be like a two hundred hour game. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So yeah, like you know, pray for Ben. I. I I am really upset about this because. I'm I'm really upset that they didn't just did not punish the person who was responsible for this. Essentially, basically blacklist done. I mean, yeah, go press charges against them, but like he's done, absolutely done. You will never ever get anything from Nintendo again. And because make them public, because then other companies will be like, oh, we probably shouldn't give him anything because he's known as he was the guy who leaked a copy of a game and got out there. Like that person is done. The fact that they're punishing other people and responses because it's like yeah, just it, it just. I mean, it's yeah. like it's like a panic move, yeah. uh, and they're freaking out and just like worried. They're like, "Oh, who else is?" Like, basically, who else is going to betray us? Who else is a high risk, you know, case? Uh, really, for, they, for this? they they should have. I mean, if they wanted to go fire and brimstone, they should have gone fire and brimstone just on that one guy, blacklist him, and then tell the ESA and, and like cock block him from going to E three, uh, you know, and, and Comic Con and say, "Hey, this guy was committed a felony." You know, by releasing, you know, an early they could have put a res- yeah, put like, a restraining order on like, him so he can't go to any event that they're at. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. you're not allowed to come. We're gonna put a restraining order and like do all this horrible thing, just basically ruins his career forever. But it's like, well, you broke the law, so <laughs> can't really feel too sympathetic. I mean, yeah, they had a lot of options available, and, and again, in the, in the U.S. Gamer article, the sources uh, they spoke with, uh, it said that uh, the, res- the 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 plan that Nintendo of America apparently has come up with in response to this. And changing the review policies that uh, influencers and outlets will now get games in tiers, um, but they're not exactly sure how they're set up. So basically, uh, to, to explain what that means, like to give an example, is that uh, depending on certain factors, publication size, uh, like your your numbers of followers on Twitter, like your social media presence, uh, how 
you know, how meaningful people take your reviews, whatever. A lot of things that basically rank your significance and worth to that company. Like, how valuable is it to give you that copy of that game uh, to them? They're going to now tear you off. And the ones who are in the nice top tier are going to get the game first. Yeah, I mean, so and, and it just trickles down from there until oh, so people like might not even get the game. Yeah, your game informer IGN. <laughs> we'll get and to lead credence to this, if you go on social media today, there were several outlets, big outlets, who finally tweeted that they got their copy of Odyssey today. After playing you know, the, the, the game of, phone, of telephone with Nintendo of America trying to figure out where the copies are. And, you know... We still haven't gotten ours, as far as I know. I haven't seen any messages and stuff. So, like, obviously that means Easy Allies are not in the, like, top ten. Not that we ex- ever expected to be, but, like, it's just evidence here. Like, you could see some outlets saying they have it. Other outlets don't have it yet. So, yes. The tier thing isn't mutually exclusive to this, though. Like, I kind of feel like, that's a little bit... I don't know. I feel a little weird about um, major outlets telling people they have a copy of the game. It, it's, it's kind of like a weird bragging thing. Like, yo, guys... Check it out, we got Mario Odyssey, yay! When outlets do like, that, yeah. I kind of don't like it. I don't even like it when Nintendo does it. Like when when, uh, when Reggie Stepford wives, uh, Kit and Ellis or whatever, or Kit and Cat or whatever their names are, the Nintendo Minute people. Like when they're there, we have this brand new Nintendo game. Oh, it's so awesome, yay! And it's like, oh, okay, great. Like I'm, I'm very happy for you, you Nintendo employee, having early access to something. Like I always feel weird about showing off like the box or unboxing of, of a new title, like, you know, a week or plus before it's out. And it's yeah, just kind of like... I mean, those are, like, easy, like, those are easy, like, bait things to do. Like, all, I think every company does unboxing videos themselves now. It used yeah. to be people did them on YouTube and stuff, and they got a lot of views because they were just easy to make. People were just curious to see what was in there, even if you didn't want to see it. They and, don't even have and, instruction manuals anymore, so yeah. really, what's the what's the mystery? But then companies just like, well, let's just make this. We have it first. Why do we need that? But I mean, it also, it's a reward to an influencer. Hey, you've been doing good for us, so you can be the first to do this. But uh, the th- whole thing about announcing of a game, I think in this instance, it's a little fair to do it because like this is a story. People want to yeah. know when people are getting it, but in general... Well, now, yeah, yeah now yeah. it's, it's it, like... Now it's fine to do it, but it's like... It's different, because now you're like, are there going to be reviews for the yeah. game? And now IGN and Game or whoever have to basically... Now they have a good reason to come and say, like, okay, guys, look, we got a copy. We will have a review ready to go by Pl- by the release date. I mean, people are going to want to trade notes now and be like, when did you get yours and stuff? Because they want to figure out what tier they're in and stuff. You know, that stuff's going to go on. But in general, bef- outside of this unique situation, yeah, the whole thing of, like, I got a copy and stuff, like, uh, it... In everyone, I think I mean, everyone's don't, done it to don't a little show extent. a video of you like with the copy and like a, in hand. It is dumb. Like, if you're gonna make a video for people, do direct feed. Show the game. It's like, hey guys, direct feed. Bam, here you go. Look at this. It's pretty or cool, wait, isn't it? Wait till you're allowed to do that. Um, well, yeah. Some, some companies. But I mean, when, when you're like when you're the Nintendo Minute or whatever, and it's, it's just like, dude, don't don't talk about it. Or or the current frustration because you know I'm a big Xenoblade fan. Uh, the current frustration with that game was that um, at, at the at the the Gamescom and the Milan Games Week, when they streamed the game, they spent like a half hour describing the battle system, which is exactly what they did at E3, and it was just kind of like, please, please stop telling us how the battle system works. You told everyone how the battle system works at E3. They can go back and watch that. Could you please show some new stuff? Nope, nope. We're going to spend 45 minutes showing you how the battle system... There, there's a break and a topple mechanic in Xenoblade, and you have to do one before... I'm like, oh my god. I hate you people so much. So, um, yeah. I, I, 
I, I, I kind of like that kind of drives me a little bit crazy too <laughs> yeah um I yeah like I mean I'm not happy about this like situation honestly I think it's only temporary I think it will I mean they might have tear stuff but like I think eventually it'll be re- it'll be well, relaxed this, this is what the case is or it always happens well the worst thing is that it's the switch is doing so well that they can get away with it oh yeah like, if they like, want if they want to just go to this whole Bethesda route <laughs> we're not gonna send anyone anything like you ain't getting shit until like the release date uh, <laughs> they can almost get away with it because if the switch becomes a we like success then pff, no one's gonna care yeah but I, I mean the thing, another thing about this too, that's a little weird, or uh, this is will also spark everything else. That everyone, like outlets in the UK, were getting their copies of the game and taking pictures and showing that. Mm. Like, so again, like you know, we don't you you don't like that, but like if they hadn't done that and bragged or at least acknowledged that they got in the game, we would have known that they didn't even. Well, now it's a unique situation yeah. because if you when Europe's talking about it, everyone yeah. in Europe got their copies today, it was sucks for you, North America. <laughs> and, you know, then it's kind of like. Okay, really? Like we're doing this whole punish the Americans, you know? Like cut out his eyes, <laughs> like just going straight up Colonel Vogan on everyone, you know? For for one guy being 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 a screw up. So, eh. so like, I, I wanna I I wanna kind of like yeah we've gone at this for a while. I, I think we've like made the points. I, I do wanna my, my like kind of like final thought on the situation that I want to put out there is that I have always wanted if you. I don't care who you are, no, no, how, like, no matter how small of a fry people view you as in the, in the food chain of games coverage, if you were genuinely going to be at an event or genuinely getting a game to do coverage of it, legitimate coverage, because that is like you want to do an honest job and you, that's what you want to use it for, no other purpose whatsoever, I think you should be allowed to have access to that if it's possible. Like, especially games. Like, they keep saying... I've seen this come up in a few of these discussion threads about the subject. About, oh, we don't have... We ran out of supply of review. Like, we, we, we ran out of our allotment. In this day and age, that is code for you were not important enough to us to get it. Because digital codes is a thing, people. Yeah, what do you, what do you mean ran out of your allotment? Especially when it's a first party. Like, Sony could totally send you a code for one of their own games. They will make up... It's, it's the courteous, polite answer saying, you're not getting one. Just sorry, you're not getting one. But we're not telling you that because we don't want even say that to your face. Usually they just ignore you. Oh, that, uh, ignoring you is even worse. If you get a, a, a reply for them, at least you're sort of on your their radar. If you get nothing, and you're in worse shape than uh, that. that. That's the most common reply I've gotten from Nintendo about anything in general is nothing. Yeah. I just want to say, like, at, like if you're at E3 to actually do coverage, even if you're like for, from the student publication, doing it independently because you want to get your own thing started... I believe you should. You have a right to be there. Like you should be there if possible. Um, I the problem is people who, especially at E3 events, who have no business being there. They're just there for the free stuff. They just want to brag about it to their friends and stuff. Like you don't. You're making everyone's life harder. You're making it worse. And then how this relates to this is influencers. Influencers are just people that Nintendo or any company have identified that they they have a huge following. They could help sell our product. Um, it's basically advertising. It is advertising when you give it to an influencer. It's a form of advertising. And you know what? Like that's Nintendo spending their money and stuff. But like, no offense. Like, games criticism and game critics. Like, you should be getting. Them, they should be getting their games. I don't care who you are. Like, 
you can get a person a copy of a game and they prove themselves to be reliable that one time, you should keep counting on them to be reliable until they prove otherwise. That's why this one yeah. outlier person should be the one that's banned and no one else should have been yeah, affected it, by it, this it's, whatsoever. It's not costing Nintendo any money to send a digital code out. Uh, I mean, there's... You know, I, really, like, at the end of the day, that person's going to make his own videos and do his, you know, basically his own version of advertising where... Really, if, if if your job is to distribute like stuff out, like you, it does not cost the company any money just to send out a digital code of a game, or or even just a press kit. It's just yeah, I mean it's it's just about controlling access again, and it, it stinks. And but like the rest of us here in this situation, none I think almost none of us. I don't know everyone's story, but I'm assuming the rest of us that that do this for a living. We haven't done anything to, to prove otherwise that we're not, like, reliable and stuff. So, like, no one else should have been punished for this whatsoever. I mean, maybe if someone has a prior record that we're not privy about, that's a different situation. But in the broadest general sense, everyone else has proven themselves to be trustworthy with the, the handling of review, review code and review copies. Like, come on. Like, this is... This is this is terrible. I do hope when this all when this dust settles and some of the smaller outlets and, and people see they never got a copy of Odyssey or whatever. I when they raise you know when they start complaining about this, you know, please go all out and complain because like this is the one time like anyone who's calling you out, oh, you're just like whining and get one, you're not pointing enough. No, that that's crap. Like in a perfect world, IGN, the biggest sites like IGN and GameSpot, like beginning a game, their reviews will be going up at the same time as long as some independent person starting their own YouTube channel for the, like their first video review. Because if that's what you want to do and that's what you legitimately want to make your career and you are trying to, like that's the whole thing about reviews is a critical opinion. As long as you're good at it, as long as people are willing to listen to your or watch your opinion on it, you should be able to do it. And that's the whole point of reviews is that multiple viewpoints. You don't want an echo chamber of everyone saying, Mario Odyssey is the greatest game. Mario Odyssey is the greatest game. Like, that's great if it is. But, like, someone might still say it's a very good game, but point out some flaws in it that everyone else didn't talk about. Those are very useful and stuff. Like, it generates discussion. And, like, that is what I think is some of the best part of, like, games criticism is that broad discussion that goes on between consumer, reviewer, and sometimes it goes between the publisher when they get involved as well. When you gate this axe and stuff, it's just it's another relic of the old guard that has still yet to die a horrible death that needs to hurry up and die. Like this the layers of exclusivity and stuff that needs to go away. Please make it go away. But I do agree there needs to be some layer because not just anyone who wants the game can ask for it if they're not like, I just want it because I want to play it. Like oh, yeah, like there you go. Like I'm I'm not advocating free games for everyone. I mean, every every gaming outlet would wants to play Mario Odyssey practically so I, I think the problem is there's no centralized thing governing like this system like there's no regulations in place like like you part of the film critics guild or whatever it is I, I assume yeah. like you're recognized that means if you're in that organization you're gonna be there unless you get blacklisted for doing something wrong yeah. I, I, I mean like just some kind of like organization to like do that i know that it opens a whole can of worms of who gets to decide and stuff but like if there was a very clearly documented I procedure mean, well, for becoming a member of it this is and it was low entry but they could authenticate that you're you're legit you're, okay. you're here to do a job the point of pr is to build that list make your own that, that's your job i think i might be saying that i don't i'm like maybe, maybe i don't trust pr as much well, no, <laughs> to I do that very I mean, well like, if you have a community manager uh, their job is to build the community for the game. So if you're the if you're the community manager for for Nintendo or whatever NOA, like shouldn't your job be to go out there and decide who's 
who's trustworthy or not. Like that, I mean, and if that job doesn't exist, I feel like it should exist. Like, really, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some part of your company, Nintendo especially, they could easily afford to have someone whose job is to basically go through influencers, as it were, and decide which ones are are good to go and which ones are not. Like, make their own little internal film critics guild uh, of, of people. I feel like that should be someone's job at Nintendo, you know, to do that, so. Yeah, I mean, the, and a lot of this also, I'm, I'm neglecting to put some onus uh, or some responsibility and some blame on the, the review, review culture in general that everything needs to be reviewed before it comes out. Everything needs to be reviewed as fast as possible. Early reviews are the only ones that matter. We are, to a degree, part of the problem as well. That, like, in a, in a more my what I would say a more idealized situa- situation would be: just wait till the game comes out, like everyone else. You get it, you play it, you get to spend some time playing it with the actual community of people. Like you're actually there experiencing it with the actual real people, mm-hmm. not controlled environments, not isolated from discussion. Like you have like spend some time with it. A few weeks, like one to two weeks, you know, depending on the game, a single player or a big MMO or sorry, multiplayer game, a few multiple weeks, and then put out your thoughts. I know that doesn't that, that's not gonna get the views. It's not gonna the publishers like that's so late. That isn't helping us. But like that's why they're growing, growing more services like Patreon and stuff like. You can do it another way. There are people who support you and stuff. Like, that would be great if we could go that way. But I also understand that's, like, a really hard thing to reform and change overnight. So, yeah. and And I don't know if that's ever going to be obtainable. So, But it, review culture does have a little bit of a problem with the obsession of being first. Yes. It's, a, it's a race. Yes. It's a race, and it's not... Well, that, it, it's a bad that, race. It's like, it's, like, it's like paparazzi kind of thing, where it's like, the paparazzi's not going to go away until people stop buying tabloids <laughs> you know so it's like the same problem the other part of review culture that you all know is the, what what are the problem i'm talking about is like review scores and stuff everyone just rushes to the review score and just doesn't read the text or watch the video like that that's something you all as a community everyone has else you guys gotta figure that out on your own like uh reviewers and critics have been trying forever to figure out ways to the make everyone care about the bulk of the review and not just the, the score People taking away scores, people made it to letters, everything, it just ends up not working. Like, people yeah. always find a way to assign a point value to something. That's why, you know, Metacritic will do it if, you know, you don't do it. And it's like, that. that that's a whole other can of worms that we'll save for another day. But, yeah, well, this, this situation is still developing. I mean, fall like, for us, like, uh, Easy Allies, just keep following us on, on social media and stuff. I'm sure one of us will say that we finally got a copy so we can let you we can let you know what tier we're in and stuff but uh you know not just for us but for like every outlet like you know voice your concerns and stuff as well to nintendo and other companies about this topic be like you know as a consumer it's very concerning and alarming like, if i wasn't a reviewer i would be calling out this crap i'd be like as well still i'd be like yo that kind of stinks that you're giving certain companies or outlets games first because of the situation like that seems a little shady or weird to me but I mean that that that's is what it is so far, but yeah, good stuff. Um, that is the those are two topics for the week. Mm-hmm. Means it's time for our final segment to wrap this up. Patrons Pulse, which is our Q and A section. Oh, I see what you did there. You called it Pulse. Yeah, <laughs> Patrons Pulse. That was suggested us by. Uh, Stop. I, I am right from my computer, actually, it's time. I'm going to give the shout-out to the person, because I favorited their tweet. 
Uh, what is this? Oh, that's something new. Um, give me one second. But what it is, while I'm looking this up, every week uh, that we record, I make a post at the beginning of the week. And for $5 and up patrons, you can submit a question to us. I sometimes will let you know what we'll be discussing on the episode. But as long as it's a question related to Nintendo, uh, we will consider it. And the last few episodes, it's been about two questions. Been picking two questions and sticking with that. And so we're going to go two questions this week and probably every week forward that we do this. And uh, I know you can hear me talking or typing. Oh my gosh, I flagged it. Now I can't find it. This is terrible. Um, here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first one. And I'm going to let you start with the answer. And then I'm going to focus on finding this person's name. All right. So, um, our first one comes from... Ryan uh, Bonici, when Sonic Lost World came out on Wii U, many hoped it would be the long-awaited second coming of Sonic, noting the game's visual similarities to Mario Galaxy as far as level design. During the Easy A reaction stream to Mario Odyssey, Damiani was freaking out partly because aspects of the trailer, the real people, reminded him of Sonic Adventure. Does the panel dream of a day where Nintendo and Sega stop playing Olympic games with each other and just cut loose without heroes going up against the combined might of Bowser and Dr. Eggman. Uh, going up against the combined might of Dr. Robotnik. Yeah, I was like, why is it Dr. Eggman? It's Robotnik. Uh, what would make such a dream game be a day one purchase? Well, the funny thing about this is is that when it was first announced, um, Mario and Sonic of the Olympic Games, I was like, what, wait, what, why, why Olympic, what? <laughs> it was just very confusing that their first crossover was, was a freaking Olympics game. Um, recently, though, uh, it, it, people, when it first came out, everyone was like, why isn't it not a platformer? Why isn't it a platformer? And then that just kind of died off. And then not too long ago, Miyamoto came out and said that they had played around with the idea years ago of doing a Mario and Sonic uh, like platformer game. So the crazy thing for me was that like Nintendo themselves had, had actually considered it. It wasn't just something where they're just like they just didn't look ah, I don't know, we'll never be able to work this out, forget it. You know, we'll just, we'll just make these Olympic games. It'll you know, we we waggle waggle. Waggle fest. Um uh <laughs> do I do um I don't know if, if I dream of a day not particularly i mean okay like it'd be hard to say um i'm not gonna say i want a platformer necessarily with sonic and mario because i don't know that the two have enough in common to make really one work in the other's world at all um i think a, a more fun way of doing it would maybe be to do something along the lines of, of like Mario RPG or like a Super Paper Mario style. Um, basically something that homogenizes to one type of platforming. Rather, like, you know, not like Mario, not like Sonic, but like its own kind of thing where you could have Mario and Sonic in it and they could be interchangeable because um, Sonic's platforming style and Mario's platforming style doesn't really work no matter how you slice it not in 3d not in 2d um granted i would say that it's probably easier to put say um a sonic model inside say mario odyssey like it would be easier to have sonic running around mario odyssey than it would be to have mario running around sonic forces because 
Sonic Forces is literally just all about like you know, blazing super fast, screens blurring, like can't tell what's going on in quick time events. Um, I mean, as far as like the combined might of Bowser and Doctor Robotnik, eh, who cares? Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, what would make Dreamcast Day One purchase? I'll tell you this: the answer to the last part of that question is if Retro made it. Oh, boom, done. Retro made because it. Because okay. if you think about the fact that Donkey Kong Country, especially Tropical Freeze, with how they they handled speed running in that game and, and the momentum based movement of roll jumping with Donkey Kong would kind of be like a really good compromise between Mario and Sonic mm. to have a game like that. Like, if you had a 2D side-scrolling game where Mario had a, a rolling mechanic, maybe similar to Donkey Kong, not not a spin dash, but but like he rolls forward, like he does in Mario Odyssey, yeah. uh, where he can roll forward and jump high, where, where he has that, where Sonic has more of the speed, or maybe Sonic can, can handle things that Sonic can't and vice versa, stuff like that. Like... If Retro made it and Retro applied their knowledge of side-scrollers to a Mario Sonic... Or a game with Mario and Sonic in it, I think that would be... That would make a dream game a day one purchase. That's what would do it. For me, uh, I'll keep it short and simple. For me, um, I know Sonic is known for going fast. And I know people are obsessed with him having a sense of speed in the the games he is featured in. Uh, I would not be opposed to having a Nintendo make a, a 3D collaboration game with Mario and Sonic where it is more of a pure platformer where it's not so much about Sonic's speed that is important to progressing through the levels. Uh, it's just playing as him in, in a Mario Star style game. Give him some unique abilities that you know, obviously separate him. I think you can use the speed for some boss encounters because I think some of the Sonic bosses like can be done well with like the, just going down the corridor and stuff and dodging yeah. and stuff like that. I think they could do that. I think also like air dashing, like Sonic's air dash attack. I think that would be really, really good in a Mario game. Like I, I think they could utilize that along with the platforming elements. Um, and maybe he gets to be more like kind of combat based or something. He's like cool. He's in, like Mario just jumps and he does like these punches and kicks. He's kind of slow. Sonic could be like the faster combat guy and stuff. Maybe his jumps are a little higher, like you know what your old Luigi used to be and yeah, stuff. Or, or maybe even if they're in different parts of the world. That could they you know it's like it's the same world but like Sonic's areas are more focused on Sonic's abilities and Mario's areas are more focused on Mario's abilities. I, I would I would like to see the, the the Mario Prime Mario team take a crack at doing something with Sonic. Just once. Just want to say it once. See how it turns out. Like, you know, at least it'll be a decently quality game, but it might not be a Sonic game, like a good Sonic game. I can see where that's where some of the backlash would come. So that would be what would make it a day one purchase for me. And what I want to see is if Nintendo announced we are making a new Sonic game or Mario and Sonic game, and it's a platformer, and it's being made by, like, you know, the, the Tokyo... EAD team. So I was like, all right, here we go. Yeah, it's uh, Tokyo EAD. Yeah. Yeah. That's who did. So again, thank you for that, uh, Ryan. Um, uh, real quick before we move on to our last question, uh, uh, Alexander actually submitted a question, but it's a really simple answer. I want to answer it because it needs to clarify something. Uh, Alexander asked me uh, personally, uh, I assume you've played the unofficial version of Star Fox 2 to impact your impression of the actual game. Um, I never played the any version of Star Fox 2 except the one that came with the SNES Classic. I've seen a clip of the, the, the ROM that was leaked or whatever put together. Like I saw screenshots 
Uh, so I, I was aware of what it looked like. I never played it, so I had no idea how it handled. I assumed it was... Actually, I had some misconceptions about it because I actually stopped following it for the longest time. And just because it's like, we're never seeing it. I'm going to stop being so interested in it. So, not really. Um, the only thing it did was made me surprised at how it wasn't really Star Fox 64. Like, I thought it was going to be like to this like Super NES Star Fox 64. It really wasn't that. Anyway, just wanted to clarify that. Didn't influence my impressions or my review whatsoever. Our last question comes from Chris Becker. Do you think we'll see a Samus Return style remake for Zelda 2 on the 3DS? And if it so I want to elaborate on this. So not do we just do we think we're going to see the Simmons. If it were to happen, if you you know what developer you'd want handling it and what would you want it to be? Would you would you want it to be like Samus Returns only? Or do you want like what would you want to see changed? I guess specifically since you totally uh, have played Zelda two. I'm gonna say yes and no. Okay. As far as will we see it? Okay. Um, I think we. I think there's a good chance that we will see a Zelda two style remake. It will not be on 3ds. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's just where my yes and no is. Where it's like I actually think there's a decent chance it'll happen. I don't think it'll be on 3ds. Um, what do you think it'll be on then? I guess it would just be on the Switch, um, just because I think by the time they'd get around to finishing a Zelda 2 remake, it, the 3DS would be phased out um, by then. Like, th there's already, like, four Zelda games on the 3DS. Like, it's... It, it, at this point, I think it, it'll be... It won't be, like, a... Re it may not even be a retail. It might be, like, a download title. Um, but, um... So here's the thing. Is, as far as who would I want to make it, um, he doesn't have a team, necessarily... Okay, um, I can think of three people who I would want to make it. Um, one would be Yacht Club Games. Okay. Two would be Way Forward. Um, three would be Iga. Oh. But Iga doesn't have necessarily a team. He's working with multiple teams to, to finish Bloodstain. And now some people would freak out and say, oh no, he's using Intercreates to make Bloodstain. No, no, no. Well, he was using Intercreates to make Bloodstain, and then he basically brought in a whole other team because they were not. They were not doing as good a job as he wanted, unlike you know Inafune, who you know just kept rolling with it. But anyways, um, I've long said that I th I think Zelda Two is the most deserving game or the most needed game of a remake. It it's the game that desperately needs a remake, and not just a graphical overhaul. I mean a remake. And if if Zelda Two looked and played like Symphony of the Night. It would be a fucking amazing Zelda game. If. If. It looked, and especially if it played, because that game controls like a horse's ass, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Like, it is It is not fun to control Link in that game. I, I, I beat it once, but it, it was, I pushed myself to do it. It is. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a I, brutal game. That game, the controls suck, and the graphics suck. Um. Especially on that last level where it has the loop in the final palace, and then you don't actually know that you're lost because even when you're not, even when you're not going through the loop, everything looks the same. It's the same bricks over and over. So like, it's a maze. It is a maze, but it's like you almost don't know it is if it is or not because every single background tile is the same brick. So um, yeah, Zelda Two would absolutely like kill with a remake. But the funny thing about all this is that Zelda Two was being remade. At one point, um, on the N sixty four, and it was Koizumi himself doing it as a side project, like like just on the side, 
And then it just got scrapped because they got busy with all the other N64 games. So it actually was was happening at one point. Yeah. I I, I will concede that if it does this something like this happens, it needs a lot of work. Like they need to change a lot about it to appeal to to yeah. to, a, to a core audience, even a core audience core audience today, not mainstream core audience today. I mean, there's, I, I, but there's so much you could build off of Zelda. Oh yeah, 2. there. So Zelda Two should definitely get. So my opinion is, it should definitely get it because there are some extremely good concepts and ideas in that that did get converted and translated into future games in some capacity. But nothing is quite like Zelda Two, and I think the first thing they got to start with is a side-scrolling action-adventure RPG. It needs to retain that, so it needs to be combat-driven. Like, very, like, Mm -hmm. that. And that's where you said, like, comparing it to Symphony of the Night, like, if it can come anywhere close to the combat style of Symphony of the Night or some of the best, like, 2D action-adventure games, because that, it doesn't play, like, a... uh, it's not a turn-based RPG or anything like that. The only reason has the only reason it's even labeled like an RPG is because it has experience points and levels. And you learn spells and stuff. Well, Other, and there's a, a world isn't it like map. A low level cap though. What's the max level in that game? So there are eight levels for each of the categories. So you have magic, you have health, and you have uh, your sword, your attack, basically. Okay, yeah. And you start at level one for each. And as you level them up, you know this. You you, you so get it's really kind of like actually seven levels for each because you start at one and then you go to eight. yeah. So it's like seven, fourteen, so twenty. Like twenty levels, like twenty-one levels. Yeah, and after that, if you hit the experience, so here's the thing: it's uh, each level has different experience points values to level up. Right. So like I think it starts like like fifty for the first of each, yeah, and it doubles to hundred and it keeps like uh, keeps com- compounding from there. Um, some compound more than the others, like. Uh, uh, like health is usually the cheapest to get. The magic and attack are the more expensive ones. Um, and it, anyway, uh, th- I think they could definitely take like because I don't think, except for the 3D Zelda games, 2D Zelda games, the overhead battle system, like to swing your swords, it, it isn't like it is a. I like that combat for what it is, but it's definitely not Zelda 2 combat. It's definitely not like Symphony of Night style and like 2D side scrolling action. Uh, has such great appeal to me. I, I would love to see them uh, refine that and, and and deliver that once again because it has not been seen in a Zelda game since that to that degree. Yeah. But like, yeah, the experience point system, like, and the having the different categories, like the magic, the 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 attack, the health, and stuff. But you got to choose. That was a great thing. You got to pick. It was a skill tree. Yeah. It was the early well, like a, the proto form of a skill tree, essentially. Yeah, like I said, there there's so much to build off Zelda Two. The world map, like. If you could actually make a story out of it, other than you know, oh, have um, it like develop, yeah, yeah. It had develop like characters have like good dialogue, you know, not you know, rather than yeah, sounding like they were accident babies, you know, or something like that. I am error, you know, like just weirdly, just there's so much you could do with it with all the different towns, with all the different like technical areas you go to. Even though it looks like butt on the on on the old, I, I still think the game looks worse than Zelda One. Um, like even even with as jank as the game looks, with like you know generic. You know, mountains area, graveyard area. Um, you expand that. You really turn that into something. You could really, you could make a really rich, you know, cool looking world out of it. There's a lot of diversity there, even if they couldn't really show it too well on the original game. Like there's. Oh yeah, like that. That is that's a great point there. Actually, is that yeah, like that world has so much potential to be fully realized with better visuals. Yeah. Uh, and, and better interpretation of them. Uh, because Zelda 2 was like, and it said in a high roll, like the, the big kingdom. Because those of you who don't know, and Sims will also gladly point this out at any time, any day for you. So, the original Zelda 1 map 
is actually a small part of the Zelda 2 map. Yeah, the <laughs> the diver- bottom Yeah, so like Zelda 2 is like the most fully realized world map of any Zelda game. And it shows like, it's technically more than like Hyrule Kingdom. It's like all these towns and the continents and stuff. So it actually be potentially be huge. Like it was, That's like why it also gets the RPG name because it's like overall map. Sailing across to another continent, multiple zones and stuff like that. Like this is this is huge. But like the towns, the NPCs and stuff. Like this, if they remade this game day and fully flesh it out, like a link to the past would look like a sparse, empty freaking game by comparison. Which is saying something because yeah. it feels well crafted for what it is. But like it has good density. But like in terms of like the the population stuff, it's not very big. This would right. be like a huge world yes. with like like traveling and like side quests. Like actually, have like meaningful. Yeah, si- like I think it's someone got a either, lot of potential. Either on my Twitter or on my own podcast had said like, you know, what do you think about making like a link remaking Link to the Past in 3D? It would be so wonderful. I'm like, no, no, it wouldn't. If you put Link to the Past in th- or Link to the Past in full 3D, one, the world would be ex- it'd be very small and it would be very sparse. Mm-hmm. You'd literally be you you would you wouldn't see much. Like honestly, even if you did like a like a square footage, foot for foot, step for step, full three D conversion of of Link to the Past world, like there's one town, there's maybe ten people in that town at most. Um, only you know, granted, like only a few of them actually have unique dialogue. Like, and then it's repeated with the Dark World, but like there is not much to Link to the Past world when you boil it down into a and you try if you would try to convert that into full three D, uh, where or you know. Link to the Past, or Zelda 2, as we were saying, Link's uh, Adventure of Link, a lot of towns. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of, you know, you go, you, there's a point where you even travel across the sea and stuff like that. There's, there's, there's some serious potential in the structure of Zelda 2. It just, to me, it was never realized on the NES. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can concede that. I definitely can see that. And uh, a, a guilty pleasure that could come out of this, uh, they could totally, with the story refinements they can make, they could help cement and clarify things in the Zelda timeline with this if they wanted to. They could. They they could. They won't. They won't. But you they never won't. know about Metroid. <laughs> I mean, they Samus won't. Returns technically oh. had profound revelations for oh. the Metroid timeline. So maybe Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, will have profound revelations for the Zelda timeline. Someone needs to ground Sakamoto. <laughs> um, I, I think, regardless, I think we're both, like, we, yes, we'd want to see this. Like yeah. if it was done well, I think, and I honestly do think there's a good chance it will happen. I I just I don't know that the 3ds has enough life left in it that we'll actually see it on the 3ds. All right, you, I think you, you you probably feel a little different, but I think because of how well Metroid uh, Samus Returns sold, and people are in like three like the sales people are like, hey, so how about that 3ds is dying needs to be phased out. Like all the sales, like I mean, counter argument would have been like they put it on Switch as well. Like I think it should be on both. Like if 3ds is still yeah. around and still, and still doing okay, put it on both systems. Yeah, I don't sure. care if it looks like a 3ds game. Well, Just, personally, I don't. I wouldn't want because Samus Returns is 2.5D technically. Yeah. Um. I and and again, if Ego was doing it, he'd probably make it look like Bloodstain, which is 2.5D. I personally would much rather the game go full 2D. Like, oh, like, I mean. It, could you imagine? And they would jump at the chance. They would do it in a heartbeat, and they would they would put a lot of heart into it. I'm sure. But way forward, if they were to do it like sprite based, um, either like Shantae Half Genie Hero or or like uh, and I don't want to say not the same art style, but like just the general idea, like Ducktales Remastered Shantae style, or 
their game that's coming out, the the Mummy Demastered. Oh yeah, that looks know, amazing. Has that, that has sort of that aliens infestation look. Yeah. Really, like, like really high red or really really detailed sprites. I think they could do a fantastic job. I'd actually rather see Zelda two done with sprites like full two D assets that either hand drawn or sprite based, rather than the two point five D. I'm not. Yeah, I just I don't 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 think I want to see. Uh, Zelda 2 and 2.5D. Works okay for Samus Returns because you're running around caves. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, you, caves caves and, and rock lobsters, is, you know, obviously you don't really need to worry about, you know, it, you, you can make that look good in 2.5D. Yeah, I, I would personally be more inclined to see it in 2D. Um, oh, yeah. Especially if it's handed out, if it was outsourced to another company to handle it. I would, I'd pre- prefer that. Um, if it was done internally, I, I could, I would like to see what they could do with 2.5 i wouldn't be opposed to 2.5d um like i don't think uh, it'd be a killer i'm just saying like personally yeah i could see like so they could do some cool effects like in the palaces like the layers and stuff like they could do like oh and you sit down a corridor or something and like there's like a ghost or an enemy like going that like flies across or something like they could do cool like I, i trust nintendo to do cool touches like that if they did that um if they went that route but i i think preserving the sprite layer doing going with like really good sprite work would probably be what would satisfy me the most yes but thank you chris for that one really good stuff and i i agree with simmons i think it's a matter of not if but when but also agree like the platform like is still up in the air like i don't think it's guaranteed to just be on 3ds that's gonna do it for this episode of friend code again uh for patrons pulse if you're five dollar and up patron Look for my post uh, every other week when we do the recording. Get your question in. We pick the pick two of them to answer. If you don't pick your question, it's either post we probably covered it already, or in this episode or previous episode, or it's something that we know we're going to immediately talk about in an upcoming upcoming episode. We'd rather save it that topic for that. But again, thank you for those questions. Want to thank you again, uh, Matt, for joining me. I right, no uh, problem. You can tell us again uh, where tell them uh, our audience again where they can check out your stuff. Uh, well, I mean the YouTube channels uh, just YouTube.com/slash Yo Video Games. There's the Yo Video Games podcast, so you can you know Libsyn, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher has it for free. Um, we are we do have a Patreon for the Yo Video Games podcast, um, and um, yeah, that that I mean it's really just for just for us maintaining the podcast right now but you know we try to keep it as you know as much stuff you know without having you know um sort of paywall anything but you know so yeah if you just really if you just want to check out any of the stuff um i'm i'm uh yo video games in general you can google yo video games that'll kind of get you everything um part of the uh i guess you could say maximilians network um because that's that's really where like the whole crew is from so if you're ever into the fighting game scene um, check out Max's channel with the Miles Nine Two Three on YouTube. You know, we we as one we we've done like stuff for we did the Assist Me series and and you know all the stuff for for Marvel vs. Capcom Three stuff and we have Marvel Infinite stuff obviously now and you know we do a lot of Mortal Kombat and Injustice coverage. So I'm, I I kind of came from the fighting game side, but I'm I'm kind of more of the platformer RPG guy of of our crew at Yo Video Games. So. But if you have an interest in fighting games, go please go check us out. Like all the stuff we've done, because there's a lot of coverage for fighting game stuff. If you're interested in that, <laughs> so yes, be sure to go check that out uh, if you liked what you heard, um, or if you're just interested. And uh, we have a we have a way we sign off on on friend code. Not everyone, not even all the allies are privy yet to to how we do it. Because we started it last episode, because a, a person pointed out 
that we need to come out with a better sign-off. But really quick before that, Kevin Jung was the person who suggested Patron's Pulse for the name of our reader, or $5 and up uh, question and answer submissions. So thank you, Kevin, for that suggestion. Really nice. Um, our trademark sign-off is together on the on three. Everyone says, may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You instigated this, didn't you? Yes. Uh, no one. I checked the comments from the last episode. I asked people, if you don't like this one, we'll try and come up with a new one. I'm going to keep using this till the, the you patrons tell me otherwise. This is what we're sticking with. It was also the Zelda talk end. Uh, yeah. that, so we decided to keep it, but people liked it. So yeah, we go one, two, and then on three, you know, I won't say three. We start saying it on the beat of three. Yeah. So thank you again, everyone, for watching, and... One, two, may, may the, the way, way of the, the hero, hero lead, lead to, to the, the Triforce. Shing.